How much time we got? About 60 seconds. Can you hear me okay? I do. I can barely hear you. I don't know if it's the headphones or... There's probably a... Uh, you hear me a little better now? Yeah, just a bit. Yeah, there's probably a dial on there. He probably turns me down because he doesn't like what I have to say. I got you. He hates when I prove him wrong. What's your last name, Trev? It is Kelsey. K-E-L-S-E-Y. Anybody ever mistake you for Travis Kelsey? Uh, yes. Trevor Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. I've had multiple friends over the years tell me they've called my name out in a draft. <laughs> my favorite was when Matt Jones talked about it one time. Oh, man. So are you a, you a Louisville fan? Yes, sir. Okay, just making sure because I'll, I'll probably just be talking to you a lot. Louisville fan, Eagles fan, Blue Jays fan, Pacer fan. Astros fan, Chargers fan. Yeah, I saw you. I saw the uh, your Twitter account. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hold on. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute! I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into this episode of the Mike Rutherford Show. Obviously, not Mike. I'm Dalton Pence, filling in for Mike today on this Thurby edition of the show. There is some continuity, though. His right hand man, Trevor Kelsey, is with us in the studio. Trevor, how you doing, man? Good, good. Sorry, uh, we got your uh, debut delayed a little bit oh there. My gosh, it's okay. I, I didn't think anything like, of it. Obviously, I know that the bats are in Indianapolis, but I, I was looking at it today. And I was trying to determine, it, it seems like the city of Louisville is under contract between Thurby and Derby. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there at least has to be one rain day fit in that three days. Is base. it going to sprinkle that? I guess if it's raining up in Indianapolis, it's going to, is it, if it's heading south, I guess we'll be getting it uh, here. I mean, shortly. it would seem that way. I mean, it, it's supposed to rain later on today. Tomorrow is supposed to be a rain day. And it seems like if, if Oaks is sunny, then Derby's not and vice versa. But uh, we'll have some derby talk on the show today. Um, it, admittedly, not as big into the derby this year as I was in years past. I admittedly am not into the derby any year. <laughs> I love, I, I embrace it as a Louisvillian. It's not a horse racing guy. I can try, though. I, I, I try to get into it. I have picked my horse. Who's your horse? Cyberknife. Cyberknife. Yeah, you, you didn't know. You didn't know. That the, or just the cool name. Just a cool name. Just the cool so name. I was do that or Happy Jack. Well, I think a lot of people who don't necessarily follow horse racing, um, outside of betting on odds, it's cool names and 
cool looking horses. Yeah, go, gotta go with the gray horse. Are you, are you a big horse racing guy? For those that don't know, I have known you now for a total of 72 seconds. <laughs> I, I, I guess I'll take this time to introduce I, 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 myself. I literally um, met you as I as, you, as we pulled in. <laughs> the bats were coming to an end, oh, and man. I was like, let's go in. I was looked, like, Dalton? Which, by the way, I, I know that you've probably heard this before. Minimum six Roadhouse references throughout the day. Man, I um, that's actually where I got my name. Oh, you're it named is. after John Dalton? Yeah. Okay. I, I was named after the movie Roadhouse, and it seems like anyone who um, oh. asked me my name, there, there's like one out of every five is like, you ever seen the movie Roadhouse? That, makes, <laughs> that reminds me of that. I'm like, yeah. In fact, that's how I got my name. But yeah, for those who are not aware of who I am, like I said, my name is Dalton Pence. I uh, do a couple different things around the city. I do some PA announcing work for the University of Louisville. I host the Locked On Louisville podcast, and I'm a credentialed media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. But to answer your question, Trev, uh, I guess you can add to my bio, um, average horse racing fan. I, I like to think I know more than I actually know. Um, there was a, a span between, like, I don't know, 2012 to, like, 2014, where I picked the Derby horse, like, three years in a row. Probably going to put that on my uh, eulogy one day. Good. Pretty, I, I, last horse I picked was the winner, I think, was Winning Colors. Oh, which was in 1989. I was about to say, I'm trying to think uh, (laughs) if I show my horse racing knowledge. Um, I'm not a huge fan. Um, I I will say that this year, I don't necessarily even have a derby horse. And that's wild. Jump on my jump on the Cyberknife bandwagon. Uh, I think I might have to jump on the Cyberknife bandwagon. You can jump on the board. Speaking of bandwagons, um, uh, I'll I'll admit um, the way Mike runs his show is elite. And I love listening to the Rutherford show. It's going to be a little different. There won't be anything uh, off bit, limits here. I've heard it described with using many words. Elite was never the one I've heard before, but okay. <laughs> I am a man of many adjectives. Yes. So we'll go with that. But um, speaking of bandwagons, um, obviously there is a newfound excitement in this offseason with Louisville basketball. And I think that that's probably where we'll start. Um, Kenny Payne gets hired. The coaching staff is seemingly getting filled out. Um you know, there's four scholarships left for the team to be filled for the 2022-23 campaign. But at the end of the day, it, it seems like the vibes around the city is that um, Kenny Payne has won those games, and Kenny Payne will eventually win those games for the University of Louisville. Where is your excitement level at going into next year's team? Uh, at this point, probably about as high as somebody's been hanging out at a, at a dead concert for about six hours. I would say uh, pretty good level. Um, I mean, obviously, my I have uh, my my questions with, with what Kenny Payne can do as an X's and O coach. I mean, there's every reason to have that. But uh, thankfully, in just a short time, the expectations that I had for Kenny Payne as a recruiter have somewhat have obviously cashed in. Uh, I, you know, Brandon Huntley Hatfield is is you know being a five star kid had he not you know reclassified, despite having you know a not so spectacular season at Tennessee, but did look decent in the SEC tournament when he got to play a little more, is a nice addition. You keeping Land, you bringing in Rees, uh, and then obviously you know whether it's being not even though it's not become official, even though it may have become official today, I don't wake up till at one thirty, uh, is that uh, you know Monty Bates, you know possibly. Joining this team as well is one of the last four spots, as you mentioned. You throw in that, and and you know I can you can tell me whether how you feel about Amani Bates coming here or not. I know it's a, it's a you know a divided opinion amongst many people. I have no problem with it. I think the juice is worth the squeeze. But then you throw in maybe a Tyrese Hunter, the point guard out of Iowa State, who anyone who's listened to the rest of the show knows mm-hmm. that me and him are both very high on as well. You add that in there, and then 
you know what? The other two players, I don't care if they're walk-ons with, with one arm and three legs. You know, I, I will be very happy with this first, first class. You know, I'm never one to tell someone how to feel, especially, you know, in terms of excitement. I, I pride myself in, in being a person that doesn't necessarily, you know, do a lot of sunshine pumping, but I'm also not a Debbie Downer. So I try to, you know, look at things with a level head. Obviously, I'm excited for next year's team, but it's it's a cautious level of optimism because I, I don't want to get into the season and all of these unrealistic expectations have formed to the point to where, let's say Louisville does kind of struggle a little bit out of the gate and they um, are ultimately able to put it together toward ACC play. Um, and then toward the end of the season, they may make a, a decent run. I, I don't want it to get to the level of putting too unrealistic of expectations on this program in year one under the direction of Kenny Payne because – in large part, I don't necessarily think it's all that fair. Let's, it, it, you know, depending on if how the team does. Obviously, if, if it the team doesn't make the tournament, then we're having a little bit of a different conversation. But I, I think it's all relative. I think that it depends a lot on how Kenny Payne fills out these next four scholarships. For those who need a refresher, there are nine scholarships accounted for for the 2022 squad. Um, it seems like Imani Bates is going to be the next member of the Cardinal program, taking up scholarship number 10. There's been talk of Tyrese Hunter, like Trevor said. Um, also, Isaiah Mosley, has been uh, his name has been thrown around the mix. Uh, Malachi Smith, Justin Powell, the kid from Trinity and North Oldham, has also gotten some talk. But like you said, Imani Bates seems like the talk of the town so far and you mentioned that you're okay with with the Cardinals um with the Cardinals going after Bates and, and taking him so I mean elaborate on that is is it more of the sense of trusting Kenny Payne here or is it you know trusting in the development or is it a little bit of both honestly it's the what do we have to lose right I mean what what, what do you have to, I mean right now you're coming off the worst season that we've seen in my 42 year lifetime uh, which I mean, thankfully, you know, the comparisons are few and far between. There are only a few that can they can rank there with it. But this last year was the last year. It was a total cluster bleep. Uh, you've got, you know, obviously you, you're refreshing with the entire new coaching staff. We still don't technically have an AD. We don't have a president. Hell, we don't have an SID. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Kenny, we're gonna miss you. Don't just we come back, please. Are. Just please come back. What is it with uh, the name Kenny just being elite? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be using the word elite. I use the word elite at least like. 50 times a day. That's all it right. might have be overwatered at this point to where it kind of watered down you, the impact of the word elite, but I'm sorry, you're just a fan of the AEW uh, faction, the elite. Yeah. That's all you are. You just love the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and, and, and all that group. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going to get wrestling references from me if Mike hasn't warned you about that one yet. I don't know don't, if you're... Don't forget, I'm 24 years old, so some of these references might... You're only 24? Uh, I am only 24 years old. I could old. be your dad. <laughs> <laughs> so when people come up to me and they say, oh, you really might not remember the movie Roadhouse, I'm like, buddy, I've seen the movie Roadhouse approximately 50 times. I would hope so. By the time so, I was your age, I'd already seen movies long before I, they were out before I was born. But then again, I have no life. You're 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 a better looking better better looking young man to me. So you probably have more of a social life than I had at 24. I was told I have a face for radio. Yeah, it's all right. I have a face for radio and a body for a before picture and a Weight Watchers commercial. The uh, <laughs> sir, this is a Wendy's and a smile that'll make a dentist that put think he's going to put his kids through college because of me. I <laughs> uh, yeah. but back to the Louisville situation. I just there's there's really no. Really, what's the worst that can happen? Is is a pure definition to me of a low risk, high reward in terms of Monty Bates. Yes, there could be a circus run, short of being 
violations coming with him, which I don't see that being one of the issues. If anything, you do have possible a circus with his father and obviously the hype that surrounded him being on the SI cover and, you know, falling somewhat short with Memphis and the, the you know, was he injured? Why didn't he play? Blah, blah, blah. Last year, the whole situation going on with Penny down there and that, in that group. But there is still talent somewhere in there. It may not be as good as we assumed. And then, you know what? If there is a circus, I trust, you know, Kenny Payne and Danny Manning and his staff to, you know, just say, listen, you know, it, it's we, we want, we're welcome to have you come in here. I think it's somewhat showing. I know you're, I think if I understand right, you're more of a recruiting guy than I am. So you would be able to confirm or deny this. But, you know, you would think that, you know, right. Really, we're kind of the best option he has. I mean, it's down to possibly Eastern Michigan, where he's from, if they even really want him. Stan Heath, I mean, who knows? The dude doesn't know the difference between his, you know, butt crack and a wall and a hole in the wall anyway. And then you have obviously DePaul, which is just DePaul. So, I mean, if. Could you imagine losing Imani Bates to DePaul and sitting in a Mike Rutherford show? Well, I mean, he's he's already faced that reality when, when we lost to DePaul earlier this year and the DePaul day got ended. I never even got to celebrate it. It ended the first day I joined the, the, the team. So, uh, But I, I think that's, yeah, I mean, he's just going to tell him, listen, hey, we're welcome to have you here. We want to have you here. you know. But if this is not going to work out, you know, this is, you know, don't, this is going to hit the door. And... You know whether he if he brings a circus with him, I, I trust that this coaching staff won't you know hesitate to say peace out if, if it does seem to be a distraction. On the other hand, it can't be anything that was more of a distraction last year that we constantly were hearing of. You know this these two guys are fighting. These two guys are not getting along. You know so and so is beating so and so up because he didn't get his Chick Fil A, which I have right here next to me, and I'm eat at the break. You know it's. To be fair, the Chick-fil-A line at the sack, it can be long. I mean, it is. I, I graduated mean, in 2019 from UofL, and for, it seems like forever ago, but I do not miss the Chick-fil-A lines. But, I mean, in, 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 you know, and to give them credit, Chick-fil-A is usually pretty swift with their service. It is very quick. They, I mean, there's been many a times I'll see a – Quicker back, than Wendy's. It, the Wendy's well, line place, was – I mean, you better hope that you have an hour. Chick-fil-A has 10 cars. That's the equivalent of three cars at most places. That's very true. They will get through 10 cars, and where someone will take it forever to get three. So, yeah, I, uh, I have no problem with it. Um, I hope it would work out. Again, I think this is just – there's no reason not to take a chance on it. I mean, take, get as much talent as you can in here right now and see, you know, how much of it you're going to throw against the wall because, I mean, the better chance, the more things you throw against the wall, the better chance you have one of them sticking. Right. I, I'm in the same boat. When Imani Bates entered the transfer portal, I, I really didn't have truly a, a stance on it um, because I didn't think that Louisville was going to be a realistic destination for him. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe he ends up going to the G League. Um, you know, maybe he goes overseas, ends up going to – um, you know, a Nike school, you know, so on and so forth. And, and when his name started getting discussed around Louisville circles, and then it became, you know, known pretty quickly that Louisville was in the mix for Imani Bates, um, I, I had to do some research into why he was struggling in his first year at Memphis. And, um, you know, I, I came away with a couple different reasons. Um, number one, and I'm sure Mike probably addressed a lot of this on, uh, I believe, what was it, yesterday's edition of the show when y'all talked about him? It all blends together for me. Yeah, and there you go. It's all days and why um, for this me. This is the Dalton Pence version of the show. <laughs> so, but, you know, Imani last year w was played more of a point guard in, in a point guard role uh, to start out with for Memphis. And granted, he had probably his best games as a Memphis Tiger in his first 
what was it, three to four games, but the competition w- yeah, being when less you go, than yeah, I think for the first game is like Tennessee Tech. Yeah. So, um, but when I actually went back and watched full games, because I'm not a big believer in highlight tapes, because highlight tapes basically highlight the the best plays that a player huh. makes. I think not you learn just a more. Clever name. You learn more <laughs> in you know. Um, you know, in missed shots, in the way that a player works to get those shots, and how they react to certain coverages. I like to break things down in an X's and O's sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think he looked all that comfortable playing the one last year from Memphis. Um, when he played more as a winger, I felt like he was able to get into a rhythm, get into the spots to where he uh, was able to, to knock down shots. Um, and, and not to mention, he had a back injury going into the the latter half of that past season. It's hard to get into a rhythm and start to develop when, you know, you're not available. You know, the best ability is availability. And at the end of the day, if you aren't able to be on the court because of injury, well, you can't really expect someone to, you know, develop throughout the season, especially with something as tricky as a back injury. But the number one thing that I keep coming back to is the fact that he turned 18 just in January. Yeah. This is a kid that's extremely young. Like that's did Huntley Hatfield, by the way. And yeah, he just exactly. turned 18 this year as well. And that's why I I take everything with a grain of salt when it comes to the struggles because hey, you know, this kid is was supposed to be a high school senior last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I really think this is more of a of a measuring stick in terms of where he's at in in um relation to NBA draft stock and things of that nature when it comes to um you know how he's going to play this year yeah that's, that's something that you know I, I think you know me, me and mike talked about over the last couple of days and, and when if you want to be a you know a is is, is tj walker likes to, to to coin the phrase that i have adopted it in a way on krc is uh if you want to be a butt slapper about it mm-hmm. you know you want to be you want to be another term you know homer you know fanboy in terms of defending you know the, the naysayers of your excitement for bringing in guys like uh, Hunley Hatfield, which I'm amazed I haven't screwed his name up at this point. If I have, I don't even realize it. Or Bates, if Bates does sign, which seems inevitable, is that you're you're literally getting two kids that should be freshmen in this class to begin with. And highly and, rated and, guys. And, and two guys that you're right, guys. were highly rated. One being the top rated guy, the other being a five-star, probably top 10, top 15 guy in, in BHH. Uh, is the other. So, I mean, you can look at it as saying you're getting two guys that are, should be freshmen who, you know, didn't, you know, instead of playing four years of high school, got to play three years of high school and then one year of college and getting, you know, warmed up a little bit. In a similar way, when you look at draft, you know, during the, 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 the trend of kids going over to Europe or, you know, going over into G League and you see them being drafted in the top, you know, top 10 or top five still, and you look at them and go, well, this guy only averaged four points a game in Australia. And then he comes in and you know he plays well. They looks at is is a, a better growing point despite the struggling numbers of someone who shouldn't even have been at that point playing up, so to speak, uh, and going against better competition. So when they now should be at the level where you would hope they would have been in coming out of high school, I, there there's definitely all positives to it now. And that said, we could be sitting here a year from now and neither of these two kids be on the roster and, and it made zero impact. It's obviously as possible as the fact that they were sitting here a year from now and these two kids have led us to a Final Four. That's maybe less possible, but it's still possible. Yeah, I mean, in, in a lot, I'll be honest with you, you know, the, the dynamic and the ceiling of this team could exponentially rise. That's a big word to use around who, me, man. Depending on who the next four players are that get announced to the team. Now, I'm not naive enough to know that not all 13 players 
are going to have a substantial role. There, it's not a sustainable model. It's not something that usually happens. So, you know, you like to have a rotation of about, you know, eight to nine guys with, you know, 10, 11, maybe even 12 being serviceable with one to two guys being developmental prospects. But kind of, um, you know, going back to Amani, that's that's why I don't put a lot of emphasis on the rumors about, you know, oh, he has a bad attitude or anything like that. The kid just turned 18 years old. Trevor, I don't know about you. But when I turned 18 years old, I wasn't all that mature. I had growing up to do. Dude, I mean, like, I'm 24 years old. I still have growing up to do. I wasn't do. mature when I turned 40. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, but you get where I'm you get where I'm coming from. People keep blowing up this narrative. Oh, uh, Amani Bates is a cancer in the locker room. Well, can you provide specific examples of that? Can you go out and say something, you know, along the lines of uh, being more specific? Because I think that it's not fair to the kid to, you know, bash on him for having some maturity issues or, you know, even maybe some attitude issues. Because, I mean, I guarantee those same people had those issues at 18. Now, I'm not saying that Imani does, but I'm also not um, saying that we were in the same light as Imani Bates. Obviously, the spotlight on Imani Bates at 18 and the spotlight on Dalton Pence at 18. I speak are, for yourself. People loved me at Wagner. Uh, people loved me at mail, I think. Oh, you went to mail, but, okay. Yeah, went to mail, but um, not not enough to me be playing basketball on no. ESPN. But although I think uh, in my Wednesday basketball basketball nights at Victory Baptist Church, uh, my skill set will speak for itself. Yeah, my late uh, night pick of games at Wagner thing of legends in this local area. <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah, I mean, I think that the concerns, people love to um, – kind of ride trends when it comes to, uh, you know, NBA draft analysis or even, you know, talking about a certain player. You know, they're either, okay, well, this is good. You know, what he's doing is good, so let me, you know, ride this trend or what he's doing is bad and the national perception of it is bad, so let me just follow in the line. So I'm I'm in the mindset of if Kenny Payne, who is close to Imani Bates' father, if he feels like Imani – would be an asset for the University of Louisville basketball team next year. Who am I to tell him that he's wrong? I think you, you, at the very end of that, you, you kind of got where I was thinking of. where I, When you, you talk about distraction, I, I don't know as much as it's Imani himself or EJ. EJ being his father. Like I think that's where the circus is more thought of when I think of Bates. I mean, you obviously, I mean, it's, again, you being younger, you fall recruiting, which... If you fall recruiting, you have to be younger because if you're my age, recruiting just annoys you and you just want to tell these kids to get off your lawn. The the from what I understand and what I've learned, and obviously not hard not to notice, you don't have to not follow recruiting to, to know the story with Bates and his father. You know them creating an entire fake school. He's bounced from school to school. He's obviously you know has that influences in his life that may not be the best influences. In terms of, you know, telling him, you know, you're this, you're that, you're great. You don't need to settle for this. You don't settle for that. And, and now that could be some, you know, on Bates as well, you know, Imani himself. But for the most part, it seems to be more of the hanger-ons that seem to be the issue in this circus that is, you know, the reputation that he may have. And, you know, that's the case. And, you know, for all we know, I don't, but, you know, we could, that you know, you know, Danny Manning or, or you know, Smith or Kenny himself has sat down and said, listen, you know, we want you to come here. We want you to give you a shot. We, you know, we want you to be successful. We think you can be an impact here, but you've got to, you know, we've got, this is you coming here and not everyone else. And I just feel like if, if there is a, a sour ending to this story, you know, that it's going to be, unfortunately, because of maybe the uh, people around Amani opposed to, you know, 
you know, when, when Louisville was taking chances on kids that, that didn't work out like a Willie Williams in football, this, you know, I don't think Imani's going to be found trying to eat weed out of the bottom of his car, you know, while getting pulled over in a sock. So I think they would be more the situation that is the, the hanger ons that would end up being, unfortunately, the spoiling of the second coming that is Imani Bates. Yeah. And, and that makes a lot of sense. I think, I think that there is a lot of, um, you know, there, there's a lot of positives for both sides on, on, in the equation. Um, mainly, number one, when you talk about Imani Bates as a player, and, and I think that the mental aspect of the game gets a little bit overlooked, is you're talking about a player who has been revered throughout high school as you know this can't-miss type NBA draft prospect, drawing comparisons to the likes of, I mean, anywhere from Kevin Durant, to Paul George, you know, so on and so forth. I don't want to hear Paul George references. I'm a Pacers fan. I hate Paul George. Not a big Paul George guy. I'm not a big Paul George guy. Screw Paul George. Push off Pete? Paul George, no. no. I just don't hate Paul George because Paul George wanted out of Indy, which I get, but he's like, I want to go to a big market, and he resigns Oklahoma City, which is a smaller city than Indianapolis. Screw Paul George. I also think, I also think Paul, <laughs> oh, George, Paul George my was always going to end up in L.A. One way or the other. Should have gone there. He shouldn't have re-signed with Oklahoma. If he doesn't re-sign with OKC and just goes right there, I'm okay with him. That's fair. The fact he re-signed just for, for his okay. season, like you better okay. Arnold, I hate you. I'm fine with it. You, so, deserve, you deserve to go down with the way you did in Olympics. So scratch up Paul George. <laughs> at least the, Kev, the Kevin Durant comparison. Yeah, I got no hatred so, for Durant. So, you know, uh, Monty Bates has been hyped up as this can't-miss prospect, and he ends up – his freshman year of college ends up reclassifying, completely doesn't live up to expectations for a handful of different reasons, which, you know, um, you know it is what it is. It's, it's water under the bridge. No reason to dwell on it now. But I wonder, you know, in, in a world full of, you know, stocks moving up and down, the one that you have to bet on your bet on the most is yourself. That actually just came. I, that was smooth, Trev. I just came up with that. I, I like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big ad lib guy, but man, I, I think that um, you know, for Amani, I feel like you know, there's something to prove this next season. You know, going from a guy who was being revered as as a guy who's got next in the NBA, there was reports coming out about his wingspan being less than ideal. Uh, some other measurables, can relate vertical to that. and stuff like that. I can as well. I'm six three with like a five eleven wingspan. I'm five nine. And plus, I have like plus I have I carny fingers. I can't palm a women's basketball. It sucks. I got sausage fingers, small hands. I can palm a women's basketball. I can I borderline sure. palm a men's basketball. But I, I got I, I got every uh, yeah. The only, the only thing the only thing I didn't get hit with in the genetic uh, short uh, shallow under the pool was I don't have allergies yet. It's okay. I <laughs> what I make up or what I lack in vertical height and athleticism, I make up in, in passing ability. I am the John Stockton of my Wednesday night basketball league. I'm like the Chris Dudley of mine. I, John, Stockton. I, I pull an old reference to, to obscure reference. On I guess you could say more along the lines of Chris Paul because I watch more Chris Paul stuff in terms of well, being younger and wear modeling a cup my when game. I play against you. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I like Chris Paul though. I do too, and you know, I hope that he can get a ring. I'll be honest with you, not getting on, not getting too off topic, but I do hope Chris Paul can get a ring. Staying with Louisville, though, on, this, on let me ask you this: and you've talked about Imani Bates, and obviously he's, he's the hot topic. But of the of the names coming into this point, and you mm-hmm. being again, I, I reiterate, and I've said this a couple times, I'll say it again. You, I think you follow recruiting a little more than I do. Well, anybody follows more than I do, but you follow it at a good level, at a high level. Of the names you have coming into this year, Reese, Lands, Hudley um, Hampfield, and Bates, of those four new faces that we will see, again, we're just going to go with the assumption that Imani will will be at Louisville. Mm-hmm. 
in order, rank them most excited is in six to midnight, and then the last being just get out of the pool like George Costanza, and it was too cold. <laughs> uh, most excited for, I mean, I have to go with Monty Bates because the ceiling is there. Obviously, okay. I, I think that well, I'm going I'm to talk about that here in just a little bit uh, of what the best case and worst case scenarios are for Imani Bates coming to Louisville. But I do think that um, there, I mean, there is a real chance due to the fact that Imani is still only 18, going to be 19 when the draft rolls around in 2023. If he has an improving season or has a season filled with uh, you know drastic improvement, I mean, we're talking about Louisville's first lottery pick in a handful of seasons. So. Um, I think Amani Bates is, you know, at the top of the list. Um, oh, was Clark and T with the last like two? That was I can't remember which one went before. Where I guess. was Donovan Mitchell drafted? No, he was. He was. was he thirteen. Yes. He was. Yes. I was trying to think. He Mitchell was. was thirteen, and then before that, I couldn't tell you. You're right. It was Mitchell. Um, after that, I'll probably go Brandon Huntley Hatfield, probably for the same reasons, um, because the potential is there. Um, Huntley Hatfield. Um, I I think that he probably has the best opportunity to be able to leave a, a, a lasting impact on this team because I think that he'll probably start day one at the four for Louisville. So I think the opportunity is going to be there. And then I guess you'd probably go with a 3A, 3B with, with Lands and Ree because I do think that Lands might necessarily be more of a facilitator and more of a playmaker and better um, you know downhill taking it to the rack. Uh, I do think Devin Ree is going to be one of the better three-point shooters from this class. We're talking about a guy that shot almost 45% on volume shooting for Oak Hill this past season. That's something that's very hard to replicate. And obviously that has to be translatable. We're talking about a high school gym, you know, into shooting in the Yum Center. So everything's got to be translatable. But, yeah, I mean, I think you're going Bates. I think you're going Huntley Hadfield. And then if I had to choose between the two, it'd probably be Lands and then Ree following right behind him. No, Nobody make, putting you in George Costanza level, right? I, I don't Not think that so. bad? Okay. I don't think the pretzels weren't making me thirsty. No, <laughs> that's, that's Kramer, but yeah, it goes to that. Well, I mean, he said it as well. <laughs> that's true. So well, they all said they all it. said it. They all so. said it at some point. Yeah, parking so. cars isn't too easy. It's just like putting your pants on. My question it's is, not, who uh, put your pants Merv, on? Yet? It's not the Merv Griffin show level, George Costanza. I get saving episode. the squirrel. <laughs> yeah, but uh, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this would makes, you drug a woman to play with her toys? <laughs> I would not. No, for the record, I would not drug a woman at all, especially not to play with her toys. So. But me neither. I I would be interested in finding an old like show set. And yeah. It has like the the Jay Leno show or the David Letterman show, and just uh, having no camera, just sitting there with a bunch of stadium lights, just focused on me, and uh, just kind of talking. <laughs> talking and he's like, who are you talking to? Oh, you know. We got a new sponsor. We're going edgy now. We're going for a new edgy. <laughs> oh man! But I, I'm I'm really excited. Um, out of Outside of Bates, um, you know, I want to transition into like a little Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Um, there's been a lot of people that I feel like think Huntley Hatfield is going to come in next year and be a player that gets drafted in the lottery. And like I said, I don't want to give false expectations because I do think that he's going to have a step up next season. But I, it's it's hard to convince myself that he's going to be a lottery talent after one year. Uh, I don't expect that because from what the, I mean, I haven't watched a lot, just a few clips of the SEC. And, and I, I mean, I watched Tennessee play a few times this year. I just, unfortunately, his impact, if he had any in the games that I watched, did not, you know, leave a stamp on my memory. 
But I will say this. If you're a, a big man who doesn't shoot the three, then you are a big man who's going to be spending three or four years in college. And from what it seems, I know that, that one of the kind of issues with Huntley Hatfield is that he wanted to spend a little too much time on the perimeter, despite the statistics and his numbers not showing that that's his strength. And, and obviously, I know why, because as I just said, you're, if you're, you know, you're a big guy and you're, you want to play in the next level, at least in the NBA next level, you have to have a perimeter game. You have to face up the, the days of, you know, there's a reason why you see guys like Baycott and, 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 and Coburn and, you know, and, and McCormick, who, you know, who should have been MVP of the tournament just last year and for Kansas winning a national title, you know, all coming back because the, you know, that's right now we're at where, you know, a big men are just that back to the basket style is not getting picked up in the NBA. It's not what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. It's not what they want to play and they're not going to draft you, you know, very high, if at all, if that is your style. And right now that's kind of where he's at. He needs, you know, I don't know if Kenny's going to be okay with him developing and, and going through the, the motions of becoming more of a face-up big guy who's going to take some outside shots, I, I'd rather not. And if that's what he wants to do, then I would say, you know, I appreciate you being here. Go to, you know, some, go go to Minnesota or something somewhere that they're going to be okay with that just to have you there and be competitive. Because right now I, I saw that last few years with Malik Williams, and I sure as hell don't want to see it anymore. Right, yeah, and I, I think that – the way the modern NBA is, I, mean, I feel like if this was 2012, you have guys like uh, Coburn, like McCormick, like Oscar Shibway, probably all being like top 10 picks. Yeah, they're probably at least top 15. I'm a lottery is 14 she, now I mean, anyway. You're yeah. talking about Shibway. Shibway is probably a, a top five pick, yeah. winning National Player of the Year. I mean, you're talking about a guy like uh, I'm trying to think of, of a comparison. Well, just that, yeah, you're just saying until just ten years ago. I agree. I mean, I mean, you well, you look at a guy like I mean, even 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 you 2014, know, like before he just bam out of bio to, and, and today. And I know he's only been in the league for what five less than five years, but I mean, you know, he comes out maybe he doesn't even go as high as he does coming in. You know, into this now he's shown that he can you know be a more versatile big man. But you know, you didn't see that as much at Kentucky, whether that was Cal Perry's fault or not, but. You know, I I just don't. Yeah, you, I don't know if you, you know those type of guys. Shebway comes out ten years ago. Yeah, he's probably going in the top, you know, fifteen or top fourteen or top ten. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And it all kind of changes. Um, you know, twenty fifteen when the Warriors and it wasn't just the Warriors. You know, Steph Curry gets a lot of credit for starting the the three point. Uh, well, I don't know if I'd credit it. More just making think everybody needs to take it. Yeah, yeah. Ninety nine percent of the people that take it like don't Steph need Curry to. Steph yeah. Curry is who the who the nation points to when mm-hmm. when when kind of being tasked with finding who's responsible for it. but the rockets in, in 2015 as well which I'm a big rockets fan I mean their offense back in 2015 when James Harden really kind of expanded his range and shot more three pointers you're a rockets fan you said you said earlier briefly you were an Astros fan too correct I, are you from Houston in I any am way not. why have you grasped onto this Houston I'll tell uh, you um I I tell you what let's am, tease that cuz I want to go to a break that's fine can we te- I know there's people on the, on the edge of seats wanting to know why the hell is this dude a Houston fan. <laughs> I know I am. Are you? I'll let you take us to break. You go on, take us. Come on, oh, buddy. Let's go to break. Yeah, you're the host. I'm just over here on the producer. <laughs> you're the one who mentioned the break. No, let's you take us. Take, take it to it. You say the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's Trevor over here. Put me on the spot <laughs> once again. You're listening to the Mike Rutherford there show. You go. Dalton Pence, Trevor Kelsey. <laughs> we'll see you here in a minute.
Welcome back in to this Thurby edition Baby. of the Mike Rutherford Show. I'm Dalton <laughs> Pence filling in for Mike today. Trevor Kelsey with me as well. Uh, talking a little bit about the Louisville basketball team next season. Specifically, Imani Bates, Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, the two freshmen coming in. Four scholarships left to be filled. If there's a couple names that you all are thinking of, you can hit up the Thornton te- Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. 502-414-1450. Trying to get you connected on there. I'm trying. If you need to read the text, you can. I know. That's going to be a scary thought. People know I, I, I have trouble reading and talking at the same time. I'm doing two things at once. If it's not video gaming and watching Netflix, then I have trouble doing two things at once. That said, we did tease a little bit something at the break because I did, I do, I did want to get this because this fascinates me. First of all, I don't know how many, I mean, a lot of people listening probably maybe know a little more about you than I do. I, I'm learning as we're going here. Yeah. I wasn't familiar with you uh, until yesterday when I talked to you for just a second on the air. And then I, I, you know, I did my homework. I scoped you on social media. I, I scroll, I, I trolled you as the kids like to say, is your generation you like the to first say. one. I have no, a lot of trolls on social media. I did. I was trolling all through. Um, and I, I, but I do have to ask, so I, but I got to get to know you a little bit. And I think some people want to get to know a little bit more. I don't, um, Dalton Pence, almost got you John Dalton. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, you, you said you mentioned younger, went to Mayo, you're a little fan, uh, obviously, otherwise we wouldn't have you on here. But this fascinates me because you are in a similar situation I am where you are all over the map of your favorite teams. And Mike oh, Rutherford is too, no a little kidding. bit. Uh, if you don't know, and those that mostly do, Mike has very bad luck with his pro teams, except for the Avalanche, who are doing awesome in the Stanley Cup. Uh, he's a big Lions fan. They suck. Uh, big Red, Reds fan. Big Reds suck. fan who have now become the second team since like 1890 to, to lose 20 of their first 24 games. You and I am a Blue Jay fan, weirdly, I know, but I am. And an Eagles fan, die hard to uh, beyond some people's reasoning of common sense. And a Pacer fan to a lesser extent. No hockey fan, uh, I just, which is why I'm wearing a devil shirt because – since I have no allegiance to a hockey team, I figured it's the only sport I can wear multiple logos. So I have like 15 different hockey, different team shirts. You uh, teased a little bit. You are a Astros fan. Is that correct? You are a Rockets fan. Yeah. And you are a not a Texans fan. Chargers. Not an Oilers fan. No. Chargers. A Chargers fan. Now, I got to ask, first of all, Astros, bandwagon on the cheating teams or? Well, (laughs) <laughs> the year before the team that won it all, my, my favorite. That team was bad, wasn't it? No, I, they made. I think they ended up making the. Did they? Okay. Well, here, here's the thing. Because they were bad for a like three years teams, in a row. A I lot know. of these teams, the teams that I've been fans of or been a fan of, ha- has started you know in childhood being a, a fan of a of a certain player. For so for the Astros in particular it was Carlos Correa. Okay. His favorite MLB player, so it broke my heart when he signed with the Twins this past year. And obviously, honestly, winning the MLB title uh, that helped. Obviously, so, oh, they're good. But um, you know, for those that call me a bandwagon, I've had to play. Uh, I've had to put my armor suit on when it goes to defending the Astros because it's a full time job. It seems like nowadays. I, I have no problem with someone picking their first team at a younger age, jumping on the bandwagon. I can be accused of the same thing in 89, being a Blue Jays fan was watching in the ALCS, uh, just cause I'd never seen them. I thought they were cool and jumped on it. And they obviously went back to back world series in 1993. Now, 22 years later went without a winning season after that. But so I think I've proven my loyalty, 
But I, I have no problem. You're allowed to be a bandwagoner if you, when you jump on early at a young age, you just, it's a matter whether you stay with them or not. And so you're going to stay with them, right? Oh, of course. Okay. I, I'm not. I'm not a guy to. Despite teams. the fact that they, you know, they cheated to get their titles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, your your loyalty may be proven with your football team and your basketball team as well. The Rockets. Uh, you're a James Harden fan, aren't man. you? I, I was a. I was a James Harden I fan. Dan James Harden. When he got traded to, I was always a LeBron fan. Man, so I, I never had a team. Never LeBron. really had a team. Um, <laughs> We're not really liked Harden in OKC. So when he got traded to the Rockets, um, started to watch Houston a lot more. Um, you know, these are the teams with Jeremy Lin and Omer Ashik and um, you know some of these other guys. And then Trez gets drafted to the Rockets mm-hmm. in 2015. And you know, I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's time to just full on become a Rockets fan. Okay. And then I end up doing so, and the next six years or so was filled with heartbreak at the hand of the Golden State Warriors. But A lot uh, of heartbreak for the Rockets. It has been a lot of heartbreak, but no more heartbreak than being a San Diego slash Los Angeles. Do you fan. still call them San Diego? No. I haven't for quite some time. Well, they haven't been there for that long. Any, they've right. only been gone for two years. I mean, well, three years. But has it been three now? Okay. Yeah, they played the two seasons in the, I think it was the Galaxy Stadium. In that soccer stadium. That sounds about right. I, I'm, I'm going to still probably call them San Diego Which for a few more years. still might not necessarily be able to fit. I moved them back to San Diego. might be able to fit all of the fans <laughs> across the nation. I even moved them back to San Diego on Madness, how much I want to keep them in San Diego. Well, Danny and Tomlinson. <laughs> I was going to ask you I was going to ask you where you were on, on the, 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 the LT. My favorite athlete of all time. Okay. I uh, My first year. I like LT. Don't forget, only 24. So my first year of like coherently watching sports and being a fan of them and you know, understanding what's going on was his MVP season. That year, which year was that? Back in 06. Okay. And in which that was with he, Marty, right? Uh, yeah, Cromarty was there. No, no, Marty Schottenheimer. Oh, I think he said Cromarty. I was like, uh, no, no, Cromarty yeah, was too busy Marty having like there. twelve kids. Schottenheimer yeah. was there. I am um, a and die Antonio hard. Gates was, mm-hmm. I mean, incredible. Philip Rivers, etc. Um, you know, it, I I would say I, I would be lying if I told you that it's easy being a Chargers fan. Um, it, it's a breath of fresh air, fresh air to have Justin Herbert now. Oh, that was that awesome team. Yeah, that 14-2 and two team. Then. But, yeah, yeah which uh, Nate Cading decided he wanted to end the season a little early and missed the field goal. <laughs> but I, I digress. Um, my sports teams are very spread out, but my loyalty is, well, good. is pretty pretty uh, passionate. So that must that, have been even worse watching the next year when you, you have Tom Brady beaten and Marley uh, McCree just decides to fumble the game-winning interception. Another reason for you to hate Kentucky players, too, I guess. I uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, I, I, I grew up an Eagles fan in the, in the late 80s, throughout the 90s and 2000s. I watched us become the, the JV Buffalo Bills at one point, losing an oh, NFC title game. But I, I, I know heartache. I thankfully have been gotten a ring since. Hopefully one day you will, too. And, and you picked a Marty Schottenheimer team. I am a huge fanboy to Marty Schottenheimer. Probably the... Well, he is probably maybe the best, second best coach of all time behind only Andy Reid to me, oh, and way better that. than that bum Bill Belichick, the overrated piece I of like bleep he is. I have some people texting me saying, "Answer the questions on the text line." I Bob. will get to the text line four one four fourteen fifty five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Yes, people, that's Make what sure the text to keep line. Keep it PG if, if it's questions. Don't answer. Yes, because I have no uh, cipher when I read, and that's just probably just welcome to everybody to leave me to say cuss words on the air. So no, that was stupid of me. Uh, first text, one texter says, "Hey, new Mike, that's you. Uh, which returning player do you think has the biggest breakout potential? Curry excluded." 
You say returning player? Uh, yes. Um, so not including Curry, yeah. which kind of gives one answer, I think. So L. Ellis. Yeah. Be, kind uh, of let, let me exclude L because I think honestly, if you're if you're going to exclude Curry, you kind of have to exclude <laughs> yeah, L as well. I, I'm going to go Jalen Withers. I think that um, you know, redshirt freshman season, we saw a player that uh, with some more developing could end up as an All ACC caliber player. Obviously, next season doesn't necessarily, or the next season doesn't necessarily go as planned. So, at the end of the day, I think that with a solid offseason of development, and which what better way to develop as a big man than having Kenny Payne and Danny Manning at the helm to be able to help He's you? A in big that man whisperer, if you haven't heard. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that I think the number one thing I'm interested as it pertains to Jalen Withers is what does Kenny Payne see as his role? Because I, when I watch Jalen the past two years, I, I see a player with an incredible skill set, but it's almost like he's not necessarily being put in a position to succeed at the highest level. I'm interested to see what Kenny Payne uh, envisions for Jalen as his role. Is he a guy that is going to be more along the line, more along the perimeter, or is he going to be a player that um, kind of is, you know, working in the high low around the paint and stuff like that? So I got to go Jalen Withers. Yeah, I probably if you're scooting obviously Curry and Ellis, which it, I mean you almost have to with that question because yeah. I mean it just seems too obvious to to say one of those two. I mean, and, and they are just the most, and there's reason why they're the obvious answers. Withers, I guess. I mean, it's hard to like define him as having a breakout because we thought we saw that already. Like this was supposed to be the breakout year, uh, so to speak. Uh, to, to to play devil's not devil's advocate, but to go different than uh, if you're gonna say withers, I would I would say you know JJ Trainer, you know this is a guy I thought I expected a little more from obviously this year, uh, maybe if we'd actually seen him play at any point, maybe I would have gotten more from him at some point this year. Uh, I I would like to see where he fits in. I don't know if there he's going to be kind of playing that, you know, where where withers kind of got forced into being on the perimeter style. You know, big man, almost kind of like where they did to Trey Lyles when when he was at UK, went with Kenny there, and you know, put him out in the, uh, on the perimeter despite the fact that you know he probably didn't need to be out there as long as as much as he did. But trainer, I could see them if they do that with him. I mean, obviously he has to because right now we have really no wing guys. I mean, we do, but we don't. We have an abundance of of the four or five position and. Right now, I could see if you can use trainer and maybe in a big lineup at that three or is that stretch four, which I know he wants to kind of do as well. I just, but I just, I don't know where he's going to, where the minutes are going to come from. I mean, that's where we talk about when you, you mentioned Bates, you know, BHH, uh, Withers, trainer. These are guys all just kind of buying for the same position and same playing time minutes. Yeah, no, I get it. And although I do think Bates will probably play more of the two or the three, I, I don't necessarily like labeling numbers because it's positionless basketball at the end of the day. It is, and so, I think, and I think, and even for, for like an organizational standpoint, I think it helps. So you can just say, okay, well, the the point guard is this, the shooting guard is that. There's no such thing as true positions anymore. And Kenny Payne will tell you, you know, it's all about versatility. Well, I think the point guard is the the, the, the is one of the few exceptions that's like yeah, that rule. But the shooting guard, I like mean, the shooting guards were the most like uh, um, vague terms because yeah, a lot of times it's okay. Uh, primary scorer slash secondary ball handler. There's better things to call it, and I think we just if you want to go with the, the traditional names, that's okay. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I guess I just look at things in a different. Sense. No, 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 I think you referred to him as Winger earlier, which if if I didn't hate the song Seventeen so much, I would have I would have liked that that, that, that definition title mm-hmm. a little more. 
they ruined hair bands in the 80s winger <laughs> screw winger uh <laughs> but the the yeah i agree with you but the the, the and the point guard maybe not necessarily but you could call it a ball handler and that's something Louisville is desperately lacking right now. Right. I mean, they lacked it last year, and they're desperately lacking they going into the season. They need a facilitator. I mean, exactly. They someone, need a someone guy that can, who can get the offense going. Exactly. And and right now, I mean, LLS is the only one sitting in that possible position, and I don't feel warm and cozy about him being that. I'd prefer him being the off guard. But with with today's college basketball and the lineups, you can go small. I mean, yeah, I agree. With the the fact that you know, yeah, JJ Trainer can honestly. I mean, you could say he could be a three, he could be a four, you could put him at the five. You know, you could put a guy like, you know, uh, uh, Lance or or even Reese who at six eight. You know, they can play the two, three, or four. You know, obviously very skinny at the at those positions, yeah. but but still, I mean, with today, I mean, we we this is a you know a team that you know this team, but a school that once went to a final four with Cal Kirk at power forward. Right. So I mean, who's six foot four? You know. 175 pounds at best, soaking wet probably. So, I mean, the, the lineups, I agree with the positionless theme, but we still need a point guard, which is why, you know, Hunter is, is so high on, I know, my list of wants and needs and, and, and can't wait to get hope or hope to get. I don't don't feel greatly confident with Kansas being the competition, but I know I and, and, and Mike both kind of feel on that same way. Uh, one texter says, Trevor Fress, I didn't know. I'm not following a legend. Never. I wouldn't even bother doing that. That's like, I mean, that's, I mean, you, that's what happened. Who was the coach? Uh, Bardo. They followed John Wooden. I'm not doing that. Uh, also says same text as uh, BJS will be here a minimum of two years. And with our current roster, I think Mike James has the best chance of being a lottery pick. That's a name we haven't even mentioned really. Mike James, because it's forgotten that he was, you know, he was going to be the savior of last year's team, according to his coaching staff before his injury. Uh, he is a top 100 recruit from the year before, from last year, mm-hmm. and he's a guy that you know six six, a wing player, winger, as you like to call him, uh, that that can be multiple positions except for the one probably. Where where do you sit on Mike James? Have you had a chance? To, have you seen him, any of his play or anything? Yeah, um, so like like I think you alluded to, I, I do a lot of like emphasis on recruiting. So like scouting is big for me. Um, I, I do like a lot of um, you know like NBA draft scouting on the side, and I do like a lot of recruiting scouting on the side as well. So when Mike James committed to Louisville, I think the first things that I'm thinking that are going through my mind that are okay, well, kind of reminds me of a Dang Adele type player. Um, in the sense of being more of a primary defender first, and that's kind of what gets him on the court. But with his athleticism, um, can create some mismatches when it comes to transition, when it comes to you know getting to the rack. Um, it's going to be a matter of you know perimeter shooting with him. And I think that what we saw in his senior season down in Orlando was that his perimeter shooting abilities are a lot further along than what at least myself. Uh, previously thought to be the case. So, um, you know, there was some talk in um, you know, preseason camp that Mike James was going to be possibly a starter on this up, uh, on the team to follow. Obviously, the Achilles injury is one thing. I will say this. Um, I, there's no doubt in my mind that the talent is there. The concern that I have with Mike, and this is with any player that has this type of injury, the Achilles injury in the current state of you know sports medicine and, and things along that nature are the Achilles injury is kind of the toughest injury to come back from now when it comes to like strictly a sports related sense now like obviously a heart attack is, is tougher to come back from than an Achilles injury but but from like a strict <laughs> well the Achilles sports. at certain at certain age I mean right now you look at Kevin Durant who gets an Achilles injury at 32 and he looks like a shell of what he once was before it now I mean and that's I, the greatest 
scorer of all time, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. But he, and, and I mean, I, to, but I, that's the caliber of player. I mean, you talk about Demarcus Cousins he gets an Achilles injury and yeah. goes from a guy who's averaging mm-hmm. mid twenties and over ten rebounds to a player that does not look the same. I mean, I watched it to be show my age to you. I watched it almost all, but in Dominique Wilkins' career, who also suffered it at thirty three. I watched, you know, Isaiah Thomas, who's one of the most underrated and. and yeah. Easily top fifty player of all time, despite Pat Scotty Pippen somehow stealing his spot on that list. You know, and it's literally retire in, right. at age of thirty two because of an Achilles injury. Yeah, it is about, and I think it's easier to come back from a little bit now. And obviously, at a younger age, it's easier too. I mean, these guys we're referencing are all in their late twenties, early thirties, where it's a little harder too. But yeah, I agree. It, it is a tough injury still, and it's one that even when you do come back from, you know, you're back on the court. You know, say a year later, you're still not a hundred percent. I mean, yeah. you're you're probably at 80 percent. That's an injury that I mean, it's probably a, at least a two year span before you're literally at one hundred percent fully healthy. I mean, yeah. ACL tears. It seems like that used to be how ACL tears were kind of yeah. approached, and then the uh, thankfully the advancements in sports medicine, mm-hmm. and it seems like you know a year. Plus, for an ACL tear, is now kind of like in the seven to eight months to where well, you're almost back to. Almost full speed. Obviously, it depends on how how bad you tear your exactly. ACL. Exactly. I mean, we saw like Cam Akers return less than a year to the to the the Rams. Exactly. Where on the other hand, I watched Carson Wentz come back a year later, and it almost hurt him to have to play because of it. It's, and it, it's all relative. Ended up uh, suffering a back injury yeah. because of the pressure it put on his back because his knees weren't fully ready to come back that quickly. Yeah. I mean, for those wanting to tune in and get all of the latest talk on sports medicine, you you came to the right place. <laughs> yeah, because we have there's there's anything if there's a degree I have, it's a doctor degree. <laughs> all my law knowledge just comes from SBU uh, Law and Order. All my uh, all my uh, injury no- doctor knowledge comes from uh, Doogie Hauser. <laughs> so I mean, I am clearly the one to call for. Uh, 414-1450 is that text on the Thornton's text line. We love Thornton's. They love us. They love you. That's why they give you all the great deals that they do in all their thousands and thousands and thousands of locations. I thought we got to take one more break here top of the yeah, hour. Man. We're going to come back. Uh, some people want to know about your chargers, I think. Oh, Plus, gosh. we got some other questions. About yeah, we will, we will, we will see which, which questions are good to go <laughs> on air here after we come back from the show. You're listening to the Mike Rutherford Show on this Thurby edition of the show. Welcome back in to this second hour of the Mike Rutherford Show on this Thurby, this overcast Thurby, unfortunately. Never been to Thurby. Never been to Thurby. I am Dalton Pence, though. I had to let people know because I had somebody text me. He's like, are you on a radio show right now? No, not at all. Nope, nope, nope. Like I keep saying it. Uh, But yeah, um, like I said, Dalton Pence in here for Mike on this Thursday edition. Mike's at Thurby. Is he really? Yeah, he, that, I was wondering why. Yeah, he did just do a good drunk with the wife. That's okay. Hey, you know, he's earned it. He's, you know, he's a, he's he's a father of two that survived COVID. That has been a Reds fan, a Lions fan. He deserves a day, uh, a kidless day at the track. Well, there you go. You you don't have any kids, do you? I don't think so. <laughs> good answer. I don't believe. Are I you know. married? No, I'm not. 
Okay. I we have some questions. We, we got do- a bachelor. I know. I'm inquisitive. I like to know. <laughs> you be, I, don't, don't, don't get shy on me now. Oh, I'm not shy. I, 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 I mean, I want to ask, well, because I mean, the Facebook, I think your Facebook oh, page, man. you got a little, you, you've got a lady with you, don't mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Okay. Is that the girlfriend? Yeah. Nice. Nice. I'm looking through these text lines right now, <laughs> and I have it. So my dad texted. He says, "Did yeah, it's ask all- Dalton if the Chargers made him cry?" Yes. Oh, uh, is that your dad's number then? Okay. When yeah. Mar- the game where Marlon McCree fumbled the football. I remember that. Yeah. That I had a meltdown unlike any other out there, and <laughs> it was incredible. And I look back on it now, and I'm like, "Man, it's it's uh, it's rough, but uh, oh well." So we'll read a couple of these. By um, way, one texter, I just want to, I want to clarify. The, the texter says that Trevor tried to get Dalton to go from six to midnight. I thought this was the big X, not Cinemax. No, I did not try to get him to go. Well, I did a little bit. I asked him what recruit made made I him. I don't go. even know what that means. Oh, you don't know what that term means. Is. That shows you I'm 24. That's a uh, term of uh, of uh, getting excited from the waist down. Oh my god! <laughs> Look at a. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Look at a clock. Six to midnight. Oh, you're you're honoring. Oh man, oh, yeah. You have no idea what you signed up for today, do you? I guess not. No, oh, <laughs> no. But uh, uh, for oh, the record, man. none of these recruits. Are Did we not get him to sign a, an HR waiver today? I mean, come on. I thought My we were supposed gosh. to do that. <laughs> yeah, I had no clue what even that meant, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess it has some like movie reference. Well, I was completely, <laughs> completely wrong, but. Without further ado, we got a couple text line uh, messages. Um, this one says, Discord gang, shout out to the Discord gang. Uh, Dalton, can you talk about the potential Imani-based commitment and what it means for the roster, especially from a personality and fit standpoint? Before um, you do that, what's the Discord gang? Huh? What is the Discord gang? So Discord gang, there's a chat server called the Discord. Did uh, I know it's, that? A, it's an app. And okay. um, you can have like a chat to where you can invite up to like 500 people. And there's a couple of them, a Louisville Cardinal fan discords. Um, okay. I'm in one of them um, along with a couple. I think it's like about 50 people or so. Good conversation between Cardinal fans and uh, just basically talk Cardinal sports. So, you know, shout out to the Discord gang. But uh, gotcha. Amani Bates, I-, I think we talked about it, uh, you know, a good amount. From a personality and fit standpoint, um, I-, I think that he has the talent to really take this team to the next level if everything uh, goes right this summer and with his development. Uh, from a personality standpoint, like I said, if Kenny Payne feels like he'd be a good fit for this program, who am I to tell him that he is incorrect? So I think Amani Bates would be a huge addition to the team um let's see huh. watch okay. out we got some sneaky texts they might try to sneak a curse word yeah I'm, I'm going through like yep can't say that can't say yeah that. we get a few of those can't say that can't we've say got an honorary group out there they love us though but they match our personality at least mine yeah oh gosh <laughs> um let's see okay so we are going to get some guards question mark someone who can beat their man off the dribble I think L. Ellis can beat his man off the dribble. I feel like L. Ellis was thrown into a position last year to where he didn't necessarily have a clear-cut role. So it's like uh, without a true point guard, I think L would operate well with another ball handler like a Tyrese Hunter because I do think that L is a secondary ball handler that can make some stuff happen. The problem is, and I don't know if you'll get this reference. I know Rutherford would love this reference, but like with L- with Ellis, getting past the man is not the issue. It's what happens when he gets past it. And the reference I was going to make the comparison to was, have you ever watched the Mighty Ducks 2? 
the movie. I've seen the first one. I've good. Seen the second you one. don't need to really watch the other two. The Rest sequels are never as good. No as... sequel is ever as good. We we've had this. this yeah. What's the most disappointing sequel? Who Caddyshack Two is right up there. Thank you, thank you. That that's, was the one I was looking for. Pretty high up. Uh, Airplane Two is another one that, that comes to my mind right away. I'm trying that to think so of a sequel that even lived up to the hype outside well, of like a like a cinematic universe like Marvel or DC or Star Wars the, or anything the, like that. We, we actually like a standalone film. We actually did this list. Uh, Mike Mike wanted to get me mad and angry, and he did a list of the top like ten sequels uh, presented by Ranker or something. A horrible list. Horrible putrid list. Uh, there's only three sequels to ever really watch, and that is Terminator 2, Empire Strikes Back, and The Godfather 2. Mm-hmm. Any others, you're just wasting your time, and most of them are just nostalgic cash grabs that are just replicas of the originals and pretty much just ripoffs. You know, I did like 22 Jump Street a little bit. but that That's one of them. 22 I, I thought, Jump Street was a solid That movie. one, I think, is one of the better co- comedy sequels, which are very few and far between behind. Point of the original long story was was that there's a great one of the characters added in is a speed skater who is great at getting past everybody, but then he can't stop and he just runs into the wall every time. It's kind of what Ellis is to me last year when you watch him getting past the defender, the primary defender particularly, not the problem. Problem is, is when he got in the lane, he didn't know what the bleep to do, and more often than not, he just threw a shot up at, more often usually into the chest of the other team's it's also, defender. It's also hard to do because. For a guy like L. Ellis that is, is solid in getting downhill and getting uh, within the second wave of the defense, I, I think that if you are an opposing coach and you are scouting Louisville, your main thing is, okay, let L do that because who's he going to kick it out to on the wing that's well, going to knock down yeah, the deep Nobody, and he had nobody so to do that. So they're just going to crowd, crowd the paint to where it's um, you know you have two options. You can make L. Ellis take a contested shot where you know statistics show that it's probably not the best shot to take, not a high percentage shot, or he passes it out and – an open three-pointer also wasn't a high percentage shot for well, the Louisville Cardinals. Sadly, especially. you're right. Even an open three wasn't a good shot for Louisville last year. It happens when you have no way they can shoot the ball open or not. <laughs> this, uh, I mean, even though despite, despite the fact that we left everyone else we played open, they were hitting everything, even if they were good shooters right. or not. So, yeah, I, I think, yeah, Ellis, I agree with you. You can get past this matter of whether you can finish or not, which is going to be a different, which hopefully will be something that we'll see uh, changed with this new coaching staff and a little bit better coaching on him. I definitely agree. Um, so one texter says, "Okay, Cardinal Sports Zone, Trevor. Shout out Cardinal Sports Zone. First of all, by the way, great content over there. Check that out, Cardinal Sports You're connected com. with uh, Cardinal Sports Zone, right? Right. What's that? You're you're you, you work with them? Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, uh, this past season, I was a football beat writer for them. I've met a few members from over there, Steve and uh, Jeremy. Is that correct? Yeah, man. Yeah. Jeremy's my guy. I love yeah. Jeremy. He's catching a lot of big heat. wrestling fan. Yeah, catching a lot of heat on the Twitter.com sphere, but I'll, I'll ride for him, man. He's he, he's my guy. Anybody that's a big AEW fan like I am is cool. In my I book. can't say that I'm a big wrestling fan, but yeah, I digress. You should watch AEW. Um, uh, it, it already it was takes on- a lot for me to watch UFC. Well, never been UFC. I, I liked the UFC when it first came out, like the UFC one, two, three. I watched uh-huh. the first like six on pay per view. I don't think you were born yet, but uh, after that, I, I mean, I'm talking like Royce Gracie, Ken Shamrock, Tank Abbott days. You know, those were the ones. After that, I really just didn't watch too much of it. I, def- I definitely agree. Uh, Trevor's question is, or it really is not a question; it's just a comment. Don't forget Derrick Rose and his injuries. I mean, that's, that's a player. That yeah, was I mean, we. With. I mean, you, could, you could go all day. You could have two plus hours of talking about. Players yeah, I mean, I can start so. down the line and you give you Joe Barry Carroll, Ralph Sampson, Bernard yeah. King, Penny Hardaway. I mean. Grant Hill. Uh, Grant I mean, Hill. Greg another, Oden. Greg, no, Greg Oden, Dalton yes. Uh, Sam uh, Bowie. I Sam mean, Bowie. I could, yeah, I could go through. Trevor Kelsey. 
Mr. Trevor Kent's right. I do have no cartilage <laughs> in my left knee. Uh, Mel yeah. Turpin is count, eating yeah. too many Big Macs count. I don't know. Uh, it's an injury. So many. So <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, you could go on and on. Unfortunately, the list is it, sad because every name you add is just another one to go a what if. And Derek, and Derek Rose is definitely on that what if list. I think this is my favorite question so far. It really made me think. And I, I, I still have to take some time to thought with all of the new excitement around Louisville football and basketball recruiting. Who's your favorite Louisville football and basketball players of all time? Uh, basketball's going to want to wait for me. That's really not a competition. Uh, I mean, just I went to, I actually, I graduated from male with his daughter. Oh, his, really? His daughter, I didn't know he had a daughter uh, that went there. Yeah, his daughter, Amari, went to male. I went to middle school with her, went okay. to high school with her. She played basketball for male, I think, for a couple seasons. I'm not really sure. He's, 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 he's he coached Valley for a little yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. I was a huge Duane Week fan. It, 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 well, I mean, I was a kid, but he was only like a, two years older than me anyway. What about football? Uh, football, Ralph Dawkins. Probably not really much to think about that. I'm a huge Ralph Dawkins fan. Uh, coincides with the fact that his brother, Brian, is probably my second, if not favorite, Eagle of all time as well. I mm-hmm. uh, was a big fan of Ralph Dawkins back on those early 90s teams in the uh, in, in the Fiesta Bowl teams with Browning Nago and company. Basketball for me. You almost have to I – know, I know this is hard for you because you're still at a young age. and, and The first it's team I remember 10 years watching, ago, yeah. It's like, always I, those young you know, kids. You know, you know what makes me sad is I don't really remember the 05 Final Four team. I was well, I don't remember a lot of it either, but that's because of Jaeger. I can't – <laughs> the, the smell, the faint smell of Jaeger makes me want to gag. That was last night I ate, drank Jaeger. For, from some bad experiences that? with that the, the Jägermeister. Um, favorite basketball player? Yeah. You got to have one. I mean, I'm assuming I would think if I had to guess. Take a guess. With you, I would say I want to go. Um, would it be a Terrence Williams or a uh, maybe Jerry Smith? Uh, Earl Clark? Although, Please uh, say Jerry David Padgett, who's I'm a fan boy counselor of. at the Patino basketball camp <laughs> as as a youth here <laughs> in the 502. Favorite player, Preston Knowles. Wow, big Preston Knowles guy. Is this because you're afraid he's going to beat you up with a uh, with a brush? No, uh, I'm more <laughs> afraid that he is going to lock me down on the court and allow me to score zero points and drop forty yeah, on my head. That possibly could happen. Which um, I th- I think that that game against Marquette, that big comeback game. Oh, the Miracle on whatever yeah, Main Miracle Street. Miracle on Main is yeah. what they called it's it. It's a weird day game, too. Football is easy. It's it's Lamar. Um, that should make know, sense, yeah. Lamar was there when I was in college, and it was, um, you know, the tailgates were, were incredible. Going to the games, the Florida State game was mm-hmm. absolutely immaculate. So, yeah, I mean, football is a little easier. If it's not Lamar, it's Teddy. So, it makes sense. It's been, it, it, for the most part. Do, do no wrong answers whatsoever. Also, was a big fan of Harry Douglas. Big fan of Harry. Harry Douglas was the first person that stood me up on a radio interview. Right. <laughs> I've told that story, but then Mike Rutherford likes to reply to it back with the time Harry Douglas got him drunk down at a bowl game. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I think I think he wins on the story front. Oh, man. I, no, I have no will for you, Harry. I don't. Other than I wish you would have just tried to lateral that ball in that Hail Mary against Stevie got loose game. But other than that, you know, I oh, still man. love you, Harry. What uh, this? There's only a couple more right now. Like I said, you still have time. A little about a halfway through hour two of the show here with Trevor Trevor Kelsey. Once again, I'm Dalton Pence here, filling in from Mike Rutherford on the Mike Rutherford Show on Big X 1450 AM. This is a text line. I have it open. No, Joe Dirt Two is not a classic texter. That's Debbie (laughs) does Dallas too. Well, that the problem with that one is that just that that falls in the same stereotype as it's the exact same move, same same plot as the first one. Just different characters and different villains. Unfortunately, I mean, 
By the way, if you don't know, Debbie Dallas is a porno. Oh, <laughs> yeah. My gosh. I am, I am an innocent mind. You all have to stop with these. We are uh, warping this kid These uh, radio after dark type uh, <laughs> takes. But uh, the, the last legit question so far is, when do you think we see a commitment from Bates or Hunter if they do indeed commit to play at Louisville? You know, I have not a clue. I think it's probably Bates before it is Hunter because I think that Hunter is probably going to visit Louisville before he commits theoretically, assuming he does commit. Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. I think Bates could be within a week. If uh, it I'm seems surprised like, it hasn't happened yet. To be I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat. It seems like there's too much smoke for there not to be a fire. And with all of these expert predictions rolling in about Bates coming to Louisville, um, I'm I'm right there to where I think it's going to be less than a week. Trevor, I want to I want to bring a hypothetical up. Oh, I love hypotheticals. Let's say that my entire life is based on hypotheticals. I don't know whether that's good or bad. <laughs> I'll leave it up to you, buddy. Okay, well, I guess it's, uh, <laughs> I guess that is all um, you know based upon personal situations. I assume. Yeah. But um, assuming that Imani Bates commits, okay, and one. Uh, let's just say Tyrese Hunter because there was um, talk out out of uh, I think Travis Graff from uh, Rivals said, and I don't have any subscriptions to twenty four seven Sports or Rivals or any of the uh, the pay sites. Shame. But in the Discord, people do send uh, do send screenshots uh, of information. Um, not to throw them under the bus, but you know, shout out to Travis and all those guys for putting out great work. But he he's um, been adamant that if Bates commits, there will be no chance at Isaiah Mosley. So, just for the sake of this hypothetical, I'm not saying he's right nor wrong, Mm -hmm. although he's been right on a lot of things. Let's say that the cards get Imani Bates and Tyrese Hunter. Yes. What's the realistic expectation for the Cardinals next season? Um... I'll say I had Jeremy Wallman on the Locked On Louisville podcast yeah. um, for a Wallman Wednesday edition of the show. So, uh, kind of stealing content from here. But he said that, you know, he's, your realistic expectations, Elite Eight. I said I didn't necessarily feel comfortable going past the Sweet 16 in terms of, um, you know, realistic expectations. Where is Trevor Kelsey sitting at? I'll say this. I think me. Not, and, not right perpendicular to me, but like where is he mentally sitting I think at? me. And, well, that, that's a whole other question in its own right. Uh, I think Jeremy and me have different uh, opinions on the word, the definition of the word realistic means, if he says Elite Eight. Um, I, I don't think we, we think it means the same thing and we think it means. I. I've loved the Hunter edition much more than the Bates in terms of an impact to this roster and this team. I, I was I liked Hunter. Um, I was big on Iowa State last year. I picked him in my Elite Eight. I thought they would get a nice run. Of course, fell short at Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was based on him and the other guard, the backcourt, and the way they could play defense and Hunter being a lockdown defender as well. Playing for uh, TJ Uza, Uza Uza, whatever his name is, the coach there, I can never pronounce it correctly, uh, being such a defensive-minded guy. And really embracing that last year. Also being great, such a good facilitator, a decent shooter. So, you know, a little lacking on the size. I think he's, what, 5'10", 5'9", maybe at the most. Um, possibly listed at 5'11", but probably that means he's 5'9". I, you add Hunter to this team, in your question, you could just say Hunter to me because Bates, I don't think, makes the needle move as drastically as I think you and maybe your co-host does. But Hunter, I think, with this roster, with what we have, including – but there's no Bates in there for bleeps and giggles – I'm thinking second round, realistically. Uh, that would be my ceiling at this point, would be really? getting tournament and maybe and getting to the second round. Uh, and anything can happen after that. Um, I don't know if that – I would use the word realistic even saying second round. I think realistically would be mm-hmm. B 
being in the tournament conversation. Right. But I think the ceiling of hope and, and, and maybe overzealous or possibly just smoking too much the night before would be second round. I am not necessarily too comfortable answering that question in its entirety because well, the you're last you're going to say a lot with me the last two <laughs> scholarships mean a lot because right now if you take Tyrese Hunter and you add him to this team you legitimately have like on paper two guards granted they're very solid Tyrese Hunter L. Ellis but that point you're you're still going to have to address the guard position you need to go out and you need to get some depth. That's why I, I we'll, we'll talk here in a second. Why I don't, I'm not against adding Justin Powell to this group. Justin um, Powell played at Trinity in North Oldham. So this is a recruit. We're not talking well, about a transfer. Uh, well, I'm high school. He he played at Auburn his freshman year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Auburn. That's right. Yeah, I knew I knew the name from somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know some other players. Malachi Smith from Chattanooga. Is is another player that um, I would be interested in bringing in. I think that uh, the last two scholarships matter, and like I mentioned, substantially speaking, it's not a solid model to suggest that all thirteen players are going to play, you know, realistic minutes, no, because it's not no. going to happen. You can't do that. No, so, I, I, w- I would say of the thirteen, if we have thirteen scholarship kids on this team, I would be willing to bet at least four to five will end up transferring by the end of the year. And and that's season. possibly the case, and I think Kenny Payne's probably in the the headspace. So let me add the best players available, and and I, I it might be a moot point because once you fill the scholarships with with Bates and Hunter, what caliber of player can you realistically convince to come into a program that doesn't have a starting position to fill? So it, it's about adding depth. So I think that once you add the last two scholarships, that's where things come into play. So um. Last text was, um, don't we already have several players who play the same position as Imani Bates? Yep. No, there's no such thing as positions, It's all a figment of your imagination. (laughs) There's no such thing. That sounds like my my girlfriend in high school, then. Uh, Yeah, but I do think there's a lot of players that all mesh into that that three, four, four, even five area. And I don't want to say the five. Are they as good as Imani Bates, though? Right now. From what I've seen, yeah. I mean, did Bates... I know you, you obviously, I think, are a lot higher on Bates than I am. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and there's reason, too, with the hype that came into him. But, uh-huh. you know, when I watched him last year in the few and far between, and I haven't gone back and watched game film post last season, but, I mean, I he didn't, he, I mean, he didn't, you know, he didn't make me want to, you know, get up and do a handstand for any, or, or far from it. I mean, I think the uh, the idea of the potential that is there and the untapped, possibly raw potential that is there, is very excitable and reason to be. And I, I'm not going to down you or tell you anyone that's possibly like say I'm not going to tell anybody how to fan, but I, I just think you, I don't want you to get your hopes too high. So in a way, I, I, I want to try to you know try to harness it, harness it in just a little bit, and you know because it feels like better you know to be to be pleasantly surprised and unfortunately disappointed. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm in the same boat because that's where I, I started the show talking about realistic expectations. I try to keep things realistic, like as included in the name, realistic expectations. But 
Um, I, I mean, I, I catch myself sometimes getting too optimistic, you know, trying well, it's to okay. view I mean, best case, worst case scenario. Well, let's talk about that with Bates. What is the best case, worst case scenario? For me, worst case is you have a player like last year that gives you some solid minutes. Um, he's a serviceable wing that averages just under 10 a game, um, struggles to really find his role on the offensive end of the, of the court, uh, has some questionable shot selection. But best case scenario... I mean, you're, you got to be talking lottery pick because best case scenario is he buys into the role that Kenny Payne and company have laid out for him. Um, you know, shot selection improves a bit. He gets a little bit more um, focused on the defensive end in terms of consistency. And we see a player that completely, um, you know, revamps his public perception, you know, possibly top draft pick, maybe not number one overall, but, um, you know, definitely a lottery pick if things go well. And now look at it. Now you have concrete evidence. Okay, you can come in as a player who didn't necessarily succeed year one, but turn your career around here at Louisville and go get drafted into the NBA. This is the first big test when it comes to development as a head coach for Kenny Payne. Uh, worst case, he comes to Louisville and never plays here, and he's gone before the season starts. Well, I, I guess that. I guess that's a thing. I mean, and, and, I, and I think there's there's no reason to think that's not a possibility either. Mm-hmm. Um, best case to me would be he, he, he we get half the production that it just even to me half the level of production that was expected of him coming out of his junior year of high school, and I, and I say only half because. The amount of hype around this kid, I think even half of that would be a lottery pick level production. I mean, that's the level of over maybe possible overhype that unfortunately, and it's not the kid's fault, but you know, this how we are. Trevor from Cardinal Sports Zone sent us in, and this, I didn't even well, hold on, hold on, hold on. begin to Did register. you say there's this. another Trevor? Yeah. No. Oh, no? No. Okay, well, this is a T, <laughs> Cardinal Sports Zone T. He says Amani Bates averaged more points than anyone on the Louisville, Louisville roster last year. I mean, that's not that's like being a skinny kid at fat camp. There's no real accomplishment to that. Well, I mean, it's it's a, it's an upgrade. Let me put it that I way. I mean, yeah. I mean, is, that, is that a compliment to Bates or a knock on Louisville's roster last year? You could take it both ways, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what did I sign up for? I, <laughs> I, I should have got a text from Rutherford saying disclaimer. Oh, man, poor Rutherford. He didn't know what he was walking into, too, when he signed his contract oh, with us. You're here, buddy. It's all good. All good. All good. This one, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily. I don't try to be negative Nancy over here. I no. just want to be, you know. Yeah, Yo, you want to be realistic and, and yeah, call a spade a I mean, spade. Exactly. And and, and I want to be excited. And I, I do. Trust me, there's a part of me that is excited and want to be optimistic. But I just don't want to. Yeah, I mean, I think when you use the word realistic, I think there's a, a fine line between what some people think is real and what some people would determine as fantasy. Someone asked, what motivated you to announce? So like I mentioned, I do PA. Oh, that's got to be to you because it ain't do, to me. <laughs> I do PA announcing uh, for for the university. So for those who don't know what PA announcing is, it's essentially what Sean Moth and John Tong did um, for like a combined 40 years at Louisville Athletics. Love Sean Moth. So the same. Sean Moth is the reason why I got into BA announcing. Oh, really? And um, motivating-wise, I-, I think that it, it all kind of comes back to Sean Moth and coming to Louisville games as a kid and-, and hearing his voice and just how the crowd would feed off of his energy. And, um, you know, I started announcing high school or when I was in high so, school. So you do you, – you, we know your favorite teams and the reasons. And mm-hmm. tell us about – now. you also you, – you mentioned to me off there you do announcing at mail. Yeah, do announcing for mail. Uh, um, which is cool. My uncle being AD Louisville, there. Did lacrosse this season this past year. Did a, 
uh, basketball game in that tip-off classic a couple years ago at the Yum. I did a base, okay. uh, baseball, soccer, field hockey, a little bit of everything. So it's uh, it's something that I – it started out as a joke, uh, announcing uh, for my sister's softball team as a senior in high school, and then kind of quickly gravitated cool. toward it. And, You've got uh, a good voice. I mean, really, really fell in love with, with announcing it. And ever since, it's it's just been up from here. And, um, you know, thankfully the public perception – of you know me on the mic ha- has been solid and it's it's definitely kind of led me to where i am now what's your favorite to call I'll be, volleyball really i really enjoy announcing volleyball because Interesting. Y- you have to think baseball and softball it's great but the speed of volleyball and how energetic and how in tune you have to be um i've done bellarmine the past couple seasons done mercy the past four seasons um Probably will be announcing for my younger younger sister coming up this year at Assumption. So, okay. um, yeah, man, volleyball is the. I don't know a lot about volleyball. I didn't either. I, the little I know, but I've is, learned. I've learned about it. And I'm start. Hell, I started playing sand volleyball. It's it's extremely fun to play. It, it's fun for me to watch as well with how you know back and forth and quick paced and just, I mean, just how violent some of these hits are. And I'm like, I would rather, you know try to hit a hundred mile an hour fastball than have somebody put me right there at the net and just let them just tee off and attack the ball at the net. But so you, regardless, you were probably uh, into the, the Danny best from Kelly run last year with little, Oh my sure. gosh, man. That, that's the only reason that, that's the most volleyball I've watched during that run. Of course, that run was a result of her being on this show. Oh my and gosh. And she, they went on that run after she came on here, which everyone knows that's the reason. Uh, I, but I yeah I learned I, I still I'm still very wet behind the ears when it comes to the knowledge and the sayings. Like, I'm so glad that this sport is growing in, in the city. Uh, I I mean it's probably a long way to go, but it, it, is, de- but it definitely has, has it made has progress. Like, like I was talking with Lance McGarvey, the uh, Louisville men's basketball PA, now, PA announcer who does uh, Louisville City and racing Louisville. Mm-hmm. It's got to start somewhere. Like soccer you're right, did it does. In the city. So um, it's a good point. Yeah, I mean that's kind of uh, it, it's incredible to see. I was so glad to see. Um, you know, the team just go about it the way they did and bring this city together. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more did about. You know, Trent Dilfer's daughter was on that team. Yeah, I've, I've interviewed her a couple of times. <laughs> the running joke, but uh, right yeah, Brotherford uh, told it to me, and like he he says he claims he said it like twenty times, and then oh one day gosh. I came in, and he goes, "Did you did you know that she just he just, he just wanted to throw something <laughs> through the window at me?" Uh, we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about more of the volleyball team. Here in just a minute, we're going to head to break on this Thursday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on Uh, this is the, the, the late Richard Valens. Well, you know what today is, right? Is this the day the music died? 
Well, that would be yeah, Don McLean's song about that plane well, I mean, crash. It, yeah. About what yeah. happened? Is, yeah. it, is that today? No, 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 no. Uh, is am I am I on the right line thing? Is that Richie Valens? Is that the same? He, Richie Richie Valens was on the plane with okay. Buddy Holly and the I, Big Bopper. At yes, least I'm not. You did get that correct. Out of obviously the music didn't die today, but no, no, it never dies. Uh, no, no, today is uh, just a little Santana and some Richie Valens here on Cinco de Mayo. Some of our favorite Mexican American musicians. You see, did you hear C-word? Cinco de Mayo, you, did, you come on, I man. knew that. Do you know what Cinco de Mayo is, what it stands for? I'm not, don't say 5th of May, because it's Spanish, because I'm like, what, what, it, what is, uh, it celebrates, I mean, really said. Is it the 5th of May? Well, that, that it is, yes. You're not wrong in that Buddy, comparison. I, <laughs> did, there's a lot for me to Come watch. on, you went to Mayo, you, that's a nice school, you didn't take that history class there? Uh, yeah, I did take some history classes I mean, there. I took a history is class it, at Wagner, sort of. the... Is it something about like the dead or something like that? Or? Well, that's Halloween. Um, no, it's a celebration of the a battle won in the French Mexican War. Why am I thinking the dead? Like celebration of the dead? Like what? Is there certain? There, I feel like there's a holiday. Maybe it's like folklore. Short of Halloween, you mean? Yeah. Um, like uh, I said, there's a lot that I don't know. A very so. a, a very common mistake is people think, and I thought maybe this is where you would go, is that uh, people think Cinco de Mayo is a celebration of Mexico's independence. From France, but that is that untrue. might have been kind but of the that the is un- it's actually untrue. It's just they win a, one is the no. victory in a large battle in the war. You so. talked about Richie Valens, yeah. Did you hear and you mentioned Don McLean's song, yeah, which is about him. A, I think it was like it came across um, just kind of a, a rabbit hole on YouTube late one night. I do those all the time, and it, it was talking about how the actual song notes for that song, you know, the apparently there's a, a couple different meanings behind what McLean's saying in that song on some of these verses. I, I believe it said like the song notes sold for over a million dollars. Okay. The, just the, the notes being like, you know, the, like the notes like written, like when he's actually writing the song, like some of the notes, like okay, the, the actual, about, okay. The, yeah. the actual thing. Okay. Like the actual thing. Huh. I, I, I try to do some research and trying to find out what was that, what that was about. And it doesn't sound like the, Full, full on truth. That sucks. Been, well, if you're a big enough fan, I can see probably someone, find conspiracy into it. But I mean, are, are you a big memorabilia guy? It depends. Like music wise, yes. Okay. Who would be your What would be your favorite genre? I don't think we're. I'm going to know who this is because I don't listen to music past like oh, it's, 2000. It's definitely hip hop. I'm a big hip hop guy. But it's probably about people I've never heard of. I assume you ever heard of Kendrick Lamar? Yeah, not a fan. Not a big fan? Yeah. Yeah, Kendrick Lamar. (laughs) Put it that way. If Kendrick Lamar came to me and was like, here, I will sell you all of the notes that went into making this album that I just released. Okay. Obviously, I couldn't buy it because I don't have a million dollars just laying around. But if I did have the money to purchase said show notes or song notes, I would probably do so. Okay. I can't think of there's... Well, I guess I would. I'm... uh, Mine would be very hard and probably would go because I'm a, I'm a huge Sublime fan. And uh, obviously, uh, that the, the heart of Sublime, Bradley Noel, OD'd in, in 1994. So it'd be hard to probably get that stuff in my in my scenario. But I'm a big memorabilia fan when it comes to the Eagles. So. Okay, I had somebody in my, my Discord chat kind of save me and, and correct me when I said... Uh, oh, we get corrected a lot in the show. He says... Um, it's a celebration of the dead instead of mourning them. And it's I think it's pronounced El Dia de los Muertos. It's wow. also known as Day of the Dead. Dude, say that again. El Dia de los Muertos. Wow, you got like a, like a smooth tongue on that one, dude. Good job. I, I, I tried to. Wow, that was I impressive. 
I think that that kind of I goes into like announcing because sometimes there are some names that are that are hard to announce. And yeah. like I, I like to if it if it's a um you know like a foreign national player um, that ha- has a name to where it's pronounced a certain way. I try to get clarification from like an SID on how it's truly said, Makes no matter sense. how difficult that is, because I I, I think it's a, a matter of respect. To, to pronounce someone's name the right way when you know you're in an announcing role. So good thing you 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 precursor that with announcing role because otherwise people think I have no respect for him. But I screw up every name known to man. It took me two weeks to get Pagese right. What do you think it was? I kept calling. I called him like I can't remember what I kept calling him. I still can't remember. Right. I still forget McMahon's name. Good and then Lord. and then the, the guy that's named after Fentanyl, I forget his name too. But then again, that staff, who cares? There's no reason to remember that staff, right? <laughs> Somebody said Harlow album comes out at midnight. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I, I like what he did here. I like how he rolled it out. It, what is it? Uh, it's like "Come Home, the Kids Miss You" or something like that. And he rolled it out on where it's coming out on Oaks Day. Yeah, he's going yeah. to be in home for the Riders Up thing in the Derby. He's got a Derby party to where Drake and everyone's going to be at Churchill Downs. Mm. I've got a buddy who's actually, um, uh, I, I was going to say doing photography, or I don't even know what the verb would be, photographing that event, I guess you'd be say. A, uh, chronicling it? Uh, Could that be a term? I was trying to come up with something kind of fancy to give him a little shout out, but it doesn't <laughs> look like the wrong uh, person for fancy <laughs> on this one. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're, in it, man. you're probably a big Jack Harlow fan then, right? Yeah. I'm a decent, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I like his music. Um, I, I will say this, um, I want to see anyone from this city succeed. I agree. I'm not interesting truly in competing. I hope we all make it. That's me, man. I'm. I think well, this life is too short to be so bitter on things. But Amen. I love one thing. I love about Harlow is his unapologetic, wavering support of the University of Louisville. That is obviously a plus. His and people t- have tried to bait him. People have tried to say, "Go Cats!" Yeah, Come on, man. and of course you have the Tyler Hero song, and people are like, "Oh, look at that! He's doing something like Kentucky." Well, he's probably just doing a song about a player he likes. It's in his age group, and yeah. I'm not. Yeah, the, the the pausing Jim Rome rap style, I'm not a fan of that he does, he uses. But um, yeah, I'm with you. I, whether I want, I'm, I mean, even if I'm not going to go buy a CD or listen to his music, I, I love to see him be successful. Uh, yeah. Because he's from Louisville. Yeah, like Bryson Tiller was the same way. If you I don't know, though. Was. He went to Atherton. I hated Atherton when I was at Wagner. But then, you know Well, I didn't hate him. It was just that was like the school that was the only one I would ever get to play against because they sucked so much. Oh. <laughs> they were always like the scrubbiest. actually played against Jack Harlow. They were like the scrubbiest school. school. I mean, soccer. He actually played soccer for Atherton. Yeah. I played I, against him. Uh, somebody I know that's in your age group, I know uh, a friend of mine, he, uh, he, he played against him as well. I... Became aware of Jack Harlow's music my junior year of high school when he released the song Power Tools. Very old, like his first mixtape he dropped, his first EP. Okay. And I remember me and my friends like riding around the city listening to it, like junior year of high school. And I'm thinking, if only you all could have seen the growth from where he was in 2015 to how he is mainstream now. Like, it's just incredible to watch. But like I said, I th- I, I'm, I'm really just wanting anyone in this city succeeds so. i agree i didn't hear i didn't know he was about a year ago though really maybe a year two and when he did the video with um the, with some the with kendrick haskins in it that's the reason i heard he was because kendrick told me he was going to be in a video oh, i'm like oh. okay cool <laughs> that's i'm not you you won't learn this in just a little hour we have left but you may as, as time progresses and we get you get to come in and hopefully fill in with rutherford and the other days he wants to play hooky with uh i yeah i just don't I'm. I kind of stopped paying attention around 2003, 2004 to modern stuff. 
uh, as, as you get older, you'll 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 understand. Um, yeah, music kind of stopped for me <laughs> to, 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 to bring it all full circle with Don McLean. Music kind of ended with me in 2004. There's some songs I like here and there, but I just don't follow the new stuff. So what do you do? Just listen to like audio podcasts and stuff? I have a uh. great podcast just for you. It's called Locked on Louisville. It's hosted <laughs> by this uh, guy with decent takes. Um, he's looking at you right now. Um, but that, man, guy, that guy's a bum. I've heard about yeah, him. He's, he's a bum. He steals all of his information from message boards. Okay. But I digress. That is a conversation for you. No, I mean, I listen to a few songs. I'm not big on it. I'm, I'm a movie TV guy. play a lot of video games. Uh, Rutherford has pointed them out, and many people have, that there are two sides of me. I'm either the I'm either 75 or I'm 16. Uh, okay. And, and a lot of my takes are more on the 75 area, so we'll probably maybe differ in that I'm way. I'm a big Jimmy Buffett fan. I love Jimmy Jimmy Buffett. She's Burger in Paradise, baby. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I've been to three concerts. It's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, so, but, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the 80s, 70s, uh, 90s, and to lesser early 90s to a degree. But anything post-2000, yeah, I was kind of – like, I, I follow some stuff. I like some songs and some a few artists here and there, but – Movies and TV, yes. Music, not as much. I'm I'm more the old man on the you know on the lawn type thing. Well, I'll tell you, Trevor. I think with the last hour of the show, I want to talk a little bit about football. I know we'll have a break coming up at the top of the hour, so we can at least NFL get draft into it. thoughts on the Chargers draft. Ah, man, I who'd they even pick? I don't remember. Zion Johnson, guard out of uh, Boston, Boston College, College which yeah. I'm okay with because you know it's not the most um, it's not the most exciting pick, but mm. at the end of the day. If you're wanting to maximize the skill set and the potential of Justin Herbert, protecting him is going to go a long way. And I mean, the right side of the offensive line last year just simply was not good. And you did that last year with the, the, the kid on Northwestern Slater Rashawn who played Slater, well, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Signing Corey Lindsley, signing Tyler. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've had it, we've had a solid team. So, um, You've got weapons around him. Eckler, Williams, yeah, obviously. Eckler, Williams, Keenan Allen. You yep. know, transforming the defense. Love I know the Chargers. That. I know them well. Love to see that. Man. I'll do, tell do, you. do you embrace the older the, the stuff that happened before you were born with your franchises? I.e., do you go back and watch the Akeem Olajuwon days of, of Houston Rockets? Oh yeah. Do you do you go back and watch you know you know maybe not I don't know how far I want to go back but you know Stan Humphreys and, and the '94 run for the Chargers with Bobby Ross and and no, not as much and Chargers means. as I do the Rockets. I was gonna say even go back as farther. But, I uh, really wish I was alive for the Clyde Drexler, Hakeem Olajuwon oh, days to when they won it. back-to-back titles. I'll give you some stories. Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, I mean, he's a player that, like, if there was ever a player I could have watched live outside of Michael Jordan, it's probably Hakeem Olajuwon. Maybe Magic Johnson, too. I've been watching Winning Time, the, uh, yeah, the, the Lakers I've thing. I've passed on it because it's too fictional for me. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. But it, it, it's, it's fun to watch. But, yeah, I mean, I, I Hakeem Olajuwon just – Having a big guy that can do everything that he could, it, it, it's just incredible. It was it was it was a thing to watch. Yes, I agree. I was a huge fan of Olajuwon. I had I had Olajuwon poster in my in my room. Uh, I got to see him play thankfully twice uh, against the Pacers. Uh, but yeah, I was heavily rooting for that team. I'll never I'll never forget Game Seven watching Mad Max Vernon Maxwell. Those look in his eyes, and I thought they're winning this game. I can guarantee Mad it. Game Max, Seven, Vernon Maxwell. He can't stand the Utah Jazz. Well, he can stand a lot of people. That's the same one I once watched run into a crowd to punch somebody. Uh, <laughs> University of Florida proud, baby. It is absolutely <laughs> wild. I think right. one thing that I read that kind of really epitomizes Hakeem Olajuwon is the fact that nobody talks about the Rockets fumbling the bag with Michael Jordan because they took Hakeem Olajuwon. Obviously, 
Mike no. is arguably the GOAT. Uh, more than likely, for probably over 50% of the nation, that's the case. But Hakeem Olajuwon, probably, in my opinion, the most skilled big man of all time. Uh, but it was the Rockets. The Rockets, Kareem, the Rockets tanking the next year is the that led to what the current ladder system we have. Yeah, them tanking on purpose to get Ralph Sampson in '84, or I'm sorry, in it, no, it was '83. Them tanking to get Elijah one '84 is what led to the the current ladder system because they, they had Ralph Sampson '83. I apologize. '83, uh, such a good year. I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah, that also included a uh, lottery pick, number three pick, uh, Roddy McRae. Oh man, Ralph that, Sampson went one. Uh, Steve Stepanovich. Out of Missouri, went to the Pacers at two, a total bust. And Rodney McRae went number three to Houston. Houston had two of the top three picks. <laughs> I also was a big fan of – I don't – I'm not a huge fan of his analysis now, but Kenny the Jet Smith. Oh, was, I love inside the NBA, but yeah. Was fun to, to watch play. Big shot Bob Horry mm-hmm. was another guy. You Mario Eli, uh, obviously Sam Cassell on that team, the Juco from Florida State. And then Rudy Tom Yankovic is one of the more underrated mm-hmm. coaches in NBA history, in my yeah. opinion. And uh, you forget, you mentioned Drexler as part of that second team, the first team which involved uh, one of my favorite underrated players, which was Providence's own Otis Thorpe. Yeah. Who was traded as part of the trade to get Drexler. The only thing I remember about the – it's not even remember. The only thing that I really can uh, relate with that team is playing with them on 2K. That's how sad, <laughs> how sad that gets. So uh, I, I tried to imitate Olajuwon many a times. I was a low-post player uh, being – even at 6'3", because I was 6'3", very right. very young, and I stunted because I started smoking probably as, as in middle school. But, yeah, I, uh, I, I tried to imitate Olajuwon as much as possible as I could. In my mind, it probably looked a lot closer than it did in reality, though. Really? Like, yeah, I don't think the 6'3", 260-pound white boy was really pulling off the dream shake as well as Olajuwon was. But, hey, I lied. I thought it was. <laughs> Man, it, these hours are flying by. Last hour coming it. up on the show, Louisville football is going to be the talk. We'll be right back after the break on this Thursday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 The Big X. Since she left me, I never been the same I Here today, he's out with the fam, having a good time at Churchill Downs. Dalton Playing hooky. In the studio with Trevor Kelsey. Last hour of the show, man, it has breezed by. It's incredible. It's actually, I've, I've never like hosted a radio show. so Really? I've hosted my podcast episodes, which are like 30 minutes each. So it's been like, somebody was like, well, just think of six podcast episodes in a row. And I'm like, <laughs> my gosh, I don't, that's, is that a good thing to you? Like, uh, no, but man, this this has been extremely fun. Talked about basketball first two hours. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about a little bit of football. It seems like the energy around the fan base is slowly and surely returning. Briefly. Uh, And a lot of it, a lot of it is just frankly based upon recruiting. Obviously, uh, this Flyville 23 class is probably the main reason for a lot of the optimism. Trevor, here's my question for you. 
let's say that this class stays intact. You're speaking of the 23 class that yes. is pretty much our rating of California. Yeah. Okay. Let's say this Pierce Clarkson stays in the class, and I'm not I'm not alluding to the you know to any possibility that he's leaving or anything like that. I'm not you know insinuating anything. Oh, message boards already posted it. I am just Dalton saying, Pence has made an announcement. Yeah, Pierce no Clarkson kidding. has moved on. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but I'm just saying that until you get a player on campus, until you get their signature on the dotted line that is the national letter of intent, there are no. Um, new confirmations in recruiting. So uh, uh, assuming and playing the hypothetical game that this Flyville 23 class remains on par with what we're seeing right now, what what, what does Louisville have to do next year in, in terms of win-losses, in your opinion, to, to have a successful season year four? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, seven wins is the minimum. I mean, and, that, and, and I'm, I'm playing very, very generous, I think, with that. Um if, if you aren't someone who's listened to this show regularly, uh, you, you aren't aware that I am a large supporter to the point of making a t-shirt pretty much of the Bring Brong Home Movement. Uh, I am a very big fanboy to, to Jeff Brom and his staff and what I think he can do. Now that said, and I've made this clear, I, at least I tried to make it clear over the last few months and in the off season, you know, before Satterfield begged to keep his job, was that, you know, I didn't hate Satterfield. And I don't. And, and honest, and, I, and I've said it, if you're not getting Jeff Brom here as much as I wanted it, then the next option would be to keep Satterfield. Yeah. And, I, you know, I defended him going into slightly last season, the season that was the down year, his year two. Right. You know, I thought, you know, I, I watched that season. And to me, you know, it was a team that I thought, you know, Offensive play calling and the system and everything, I thought it was should have been more successful. The execution wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And you watch last year, and again, offensively, I feel like, you know, other than, you know, the sporadic execution of, that is on the shoulders of our quarterback, Malik, you know, I think that it can be work. It can work. And I love the, the, the way the offensive line developed last year. I, lo- I thought the team, you know, offensively was good, defensively, n- Obviously, my concerns are valid, and 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 I don't, it's a scheme issue. It's not necessarily a talent issue. It's just kind of a scheme issue at this point. I hope. Yeah, I hope that's it. Um, I can't. Per, I can't say that one to one percent agree with. But I mean, I'd like to think it's that. Right. And, and if we, you know, we we're not going to. Unfortunately, we're not going to know because Coach Brown, despite my objections, was kept on staff. Um, I don't know. I feel like maybe to a degree he was kept on staff so that if this year does fall short of comparisons, he can be then put on the, the falling on the sword. We all know when a head coach is going to be fired, they always fire the coordinators first, then the head coach comes next. Mm-hmm. More often than not, usually it's how it works. And with no coordinators being let go off of last season, which I wouldn't say was disappointment, but the fact that you know it's the first back-to-back non-winning seasons we've had since Crackthorpe, I think it's safe to say is a disappointment a little bit that, you know, now you have that scapegoat that is coach Brown on the defensive side this season. If you don't reach the expectations and to me, and I, I, I can't imagine having expectations lower than seven games. I think that's a realistic expectation is a, is both almost to me, the ceiling and the floor. I can't see this team maybe going more than eight or nine wins. I'd be shocked, but I've been shocked before by things of, you know, other, other endings. So, to make long story short, which is probably way gone because I've gone way too long to make it short, I'll say seven. I'm not a moral victories 
type of guy. I don't believe in them. I think that they're worthless. I think that there is a fine line between claiming moral victories and finding some positives in losses. I think that you can find positives in defeat, but you know there is a distinction between claiming moral victories. I think that one thing that at least gives me a little comfort based upon last year's team was that some of these losses, although they're heartbreaking in nature, they were still very close losses. They're, you're, this team is a couple of good, you know, couple of good drives away from being nine and three. But at some points, they're teams that you shouldn't even be that close with. Agree. That's what I'm saying. Is you can't, and it's it goes both ways. You can accept the fact that this team had the opportunity to win a lot of these games. Now, obviously, the execution aspect of it is something that has to be focused on. But I would rather it be this than getting absolutely blown out in four out of five of these games. Like there, you look at the this past season. It looks like what two games for certain should have been losses. And that was the first and last game of the season. Or the last game of the season. Not not that uh, regular season. Yeah. The other game should have been a win. And that's the horse of a different color when you start talking about expectations with me. I mean, that's... I think that that's where we kind of differ. I think you're one of those... You go in the Kentucky game at seven wins, and then you get beat the way you've been beaten down. I mean, like... No, I get it. Then then seven wins is is moot. You and I are... We differ, but we're also kind of in, in the same boat because I think you're more of a, until you show me something, I, I'm not necessarily going to put all my eggs in that basket. And I think for me, it's it's a little more a little of the same thing, but also I, I, I'm looking at the schedule this year. I'm expecting, I, I think seven's the minimum. I think this team's going to get eight. Um, I will say that they're going to have to do it early on in the season because the beginning of the season is significantly easier than the Little, remaining half. I don't mean to cut you off, but I do it a lot because mainly because if I don't speak right away, I, the the brain cells I have. your train of thought? Yeah, the little brain cells I have left completely forget what I was going to say. What about last season makes you confident that this is a, a, a eight win or more team? What well, what coming back? I mean, obviously Malik can be sporadic at best I think is a nice I think term that to because use. we saw this team almost win nine games last season so I don't necessarily think it's far-fetched to well, suggest that you almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades correct thank you Gene Oakland so yeah yeah at the end of the day it's all about wins and losses in the past two years it's kind of mainly 50 50 games have been all about losses so I get it but I we've been there. It's right there to where you're a couple of bad drives, you know, not being six and six, but instead being nine and three, obviously, hypothetically speaking. But next season, I mean, you look at the schedule. I mean, I'm going to break down the schedule literally going right Don't down. have that in front of me. You're talking about next year's schedule. Yep, I have it right you here in front right of there. me. Um, the first four games of the season, three of them against Florida teams. You start out at Syracuse. Who you have to beat. Oh, and you, you, and you, you, you lose week one. Them. No, and this is a team that they're like, <laughs> in my opinion, they're going to beat. Garrett Schrader is back for the Orange. Um, if there was ever a game in which I thought Louisville played a complete four quarters, it was against Syracuse. They looked absolutely incredible against them on Lamar Day. Um, that seems you have, to happen a lot to Syracuse. And then you have three interesting games. Central Florida has no Dylan Gabriel this season. Um, they're still you know, going to be a tough team. You're playing them down in Orlando. I would assume they brought in another grad transfer to play quarterback Probably, or something. But I would, I would go out and I'd say that oh. I think Louisville wins that game. Other than Joey I think Vince. that there is a very real possibility that this team starts out 4-0 next year. Possibly 5-0. 
because the two after that, Florida State, Florida State has a little asterisk next to it because it's it's hard for Florida State to be bad. And I don't know how they do it year in, year out. But <laughs> that team had that program has no reason to be bad. I guess you've never you you haven't been around I guess you're young enough to like Florida State, you, you caught the very end of the the, the Barely, the, like the only when you when you talk about Florida State, the Jameis Winston yeah, run. When you talk yeah. about Florida State being very good. I'm thinking Jameis Winston, Kelvin Benjamin, EJ Manuel. Oh man, yeah, uh, yeah, you, yeah. What, you what's this? Uh, Christian Ponder, you know, so on and so forth. Like those Clemson, Florida State battles with uh, Tosh Boyd and them. Where playing very fast and loose when you use those names and say good. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's it's crazy to think that too. Yeah, because I and I've had this discussion with with younger co-hosts or younger people on the shows that. Also, when I think when you know, I bring up a team like Nebraska, it's so weird that uh, to you Nebraska has been a mid a mid level. But I'm in tune historically enough to know that, that they that were a dominant is, program. Yeah. yeah, but still, I mean, it's, it's still different watching it as you in your own eyes, especially you know as, when you were in your, your your younger teens, you know, less than ten years ago, and you're 14, 13 years old, and yeah, you, I mean, you grow up watching it. I mean, you know, I had this discussion with somebody about basketball, not to, to jump all over the place, but that's how I do. That you know, with with Baylor and you know, with the when before Kenny Payne was announced, and someone was bringing up Scott Drew, and you know, Lobo was this and Lobo was that, and I said yes, but I was like, you got to remember, you know, one Drew, and I think you know Rutherford and me brought this up multiple times that you know Drew was it, it could be to Baylor, you know, what your your Bay, you know, your Bayheim is to Syracuse, your K is to Duke, you know, building yeah. a, you know, yes to us Baylor and us older people in an older generation, Baylor was a joke. But Baylor in the last 10 years has been one of the best programs in basketball. And in five to 10 years, you're talking about two to three generations of people now that have seen Baylor and grown up seeing Baylor as what we grew up seeing Louisville and grew up seeing Duke and grew up seeing North Carolina. I mean, a powerhouse in college basketball. You know, that's, so that's, it, it, it does sometimes make me, it makes me feel both old and, and weird when I, when I talk to someone in your age that, you know, their entire, their, for the most part of their life, has seen a Florida State program not be the Florida State I I grew up seeing. Yeah, you know, and, and or, or Nebraska or Tennessee. It's crazy even. how you know programs like people talk like, oh, I remember when the talk was. I, I have a good friend who's a Kentucky fan that told me there is no chance in hell that <laughs> Mark Stoops would consider Florida State if they came calling. Well, no, I disagree to that. Yeah. And he is my age, and so he's like, "Well, what does what 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 has Florida State done historically that Kentucky has?" And I'm like, um, "Win a national championship, multiple, yeah. multiple." <laughs> I'm like, "Did you just look at the Wikipedia page from like 2015 down?" And that that's not saying that you know Mark Stoops would leave Kentucky for Florida State, but yeah. I think that if there were a couple programs that would make sense for Mark Stoops. Florida State's probably one of those programs, right? Yeah, I don't. I'm sorry, I, I, don't, I don't care what if Kentucky's success compared to Florida State's has been over the last five years, and I'm sure it has been. Florida State's a better job. Florida State's a better job, but better program. And that's no disrespect to Kentucky. That's just more no, kind of hyping better up program. Florida State. Yeah. So, but at one time, Florida State was almost almost got rid of football as well until uh, Bobby Bowden got there. After it's crazy how one he, he, one person can kind of change the whole like Schnellenberger. At he is to Louisville. Yes, number. I mean, Louisville was was I mean a shoelace away from just getting rid of football. That's wild. And Snellenberger, and we only get Snellenberger because he leaves Miami to go to the USFL, and he takes that job with the Orlando team out of the Miami uh, USFL team that never it never ends up existing because Donald Trump destroys him in '84, and he comes ends up coming here instead. That's incredibly wild. Back back to Louisville football. 
Yes. Four and zero. Oh, I think it could happen because Florida State. Florida State's one of those like okay, Louisville has pretty much had the Seminoles numbers since they 2016 have, for the most part. Yeah. And South Florida at home. September 24th, I'm thinking that's probably a win, too. I don't know much about the Bulls this year. Um, yeah, they've been – I mean, they haven't been great to me. But just kind of just kind of spitballing, talking, uh, you know, general um, overlooks. I mean, no. it, it's not crazy to, to think that. I mean, and honestly, it's not no, it's not crazy. It almost should be – you should expect that you if you're Louisville. But, but look, look at the next game. You're going up to Boston College, and, yes, um, Phil Yurkovic is – He's is, back, is right? He's going to be back, okay. so it's – I don't. I'm not even sure if Dennis Grissel is on the. If he's back, I, I'm not. I don't pay attention to Boston. College well, they were a much like different team last year when we played. I mean, they were so night and day from offensively without Jerkovich. Oh last yeah, year. and that's where I'm kind of like, okay, we're going up to Boston. We're playing. I actually, I I was able to. I went to Boston a couple weeks ago, first time. Went up to Boston. City College. Boston. Yeah, City Boston. I've been to Boston once. I loved it. Got to see the 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 football field. Got to. Talked to some Boston College fans. I went there uh, in 2014. My sister, who plays softball for Georgia Tech, was playing up against Boston College that weekend, and um, I, I was I got into the airport with my Louisville gear on, and um, I think I had a conversation with uh, one of the parents at, at the uh, at the ballpark, and I'm, I was like, "You from Boston? Yeah. Uh, what What are you expecting from your football team this upcoming season? Well, if 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 Yurkovic can carry us to I forget how many wins he <laughs> yeah. said, but it seems like you know, the talk of the town uh, for BC is Yurkovec is going to be the measuring stick for Boston College. So, um, I mean, Boston College is really right there with Louisville and, and, and numerous other teams, Wake Forest as well. Right. Uh, that I mean, all all of us have the same expectations, thinking going into the season that this can be you know the the the, the grabbing of the. You know the the brass ring, I guess you could say, is there to take with with not knowing if Clemson's going to be down again, and of course down here for Clemson's going eight and three. But you know that's right. for us. That's you know that, that's our head exploding, like, uh, you know, for, yeah. for, for excitement. By the way, you, so you've got one sister that plays volleyball at Assumption. Uh-huh. She's going to be. She's going to be a freshman. She's going to be. You've got another sister that plays softball at Georgia Tech. Yep. And you're. I'll actually. That's where I'll be. This, I'll be in Atlanta. And you she graduates this and weekend. And you are on the radio. So clearly, all the athletic genes went to the ladies' side of the family. Oh man! You know, <laughs> I, I, was, I remember. I was like, it's like in, in my. So I'm not the first. My dad, to point this my out. dad played uh, college baseball at Western Kentucky. Okay. Cool. And uh, my mom played college basketball at Indiana University Southeast. Okay, your mom's, probably, your mom's only, probably taller than she's, she's got a little height. Five seven. Okay, that's, that's good but size. But she yeah. can shoot the lights out. So nice. So obviously, I have to create a path for myself that is as notable as theirs. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. So I'll be in Atlanta this weekend. Any other siblings of, of athletic accomplishments that aren't your, that aren't Dalton? No, no, and that's sad to say. So, like I said, I you know, I, I, there's you know, a lot riding on my voice. T- I tell you what, you let them you let them be professional athletes oh, and, and all the success, do, man. Really and I'm do. sure they will. But you know what? They'll never have. Be named after John Dalton from Roadhouse. No, they won't. And for that, the Are best, they? the best cooler in the business, my man. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you might be <laughs> pitching on ESPN, but have you hosted the Mike Rutherford show? Yeah, did you? Uh, Are you named levels to this? Are you named after a guy that got hooked up with Kelly Lynch? I don't think so. Right? Are you? Are you have the same name? Or do you not? Are you? That's not even. 
uh, actual sentence. Do you have the same name as the uh, tortured kid in Insidious? <laughs> nope. No, you do not. You are the man. But, uh, I'm, I'm named after a bass player from a band in the 70s, but that's not here or there. <laughs> <laughs> so we, six games in, yes. you have those four. You have Boston College in Virginia. Virginia, the cards don't do well in Charlottesville. They, they well had the Virginia one win. They had the one win. Um, it, what was it, 26? 17, where Lamar hit uh, Jalen Smith in the end zone with like 20 seconds ago or something like that. I think ever since then, I think we've lost in Charlottesville in the ACC. Well, so. last year being, I know not being in Charlottesville, but last year being the, the one of the harder pills to swallow. So worst case scenario, you're four and two in my opinion. In my opinion, let's say hypothetically you go into the first half of the season four and two. Probably not what you're looking for. You'd rather be probably five and one through the first six. But then things. Get- are you drawing a line there, though? I mean, as I like to say, are you putting a line in the sand? Is no more anything post anything less than you four wins? You, yeah, you can't go less than four wins. We're putting some games. pressure on you. Yeah, you are putting some pressure because the last six, you have a three-game home home stand between Pittsburgh, who might lose Jordan Addison here sometime soon. I thought he was going to the NFL anyway, but yeah, he was a freshman. Oh, what's that? Wait a minute! I thought Jordan Addison was a, was a, like a redshirt sophomore, or he might have been a sophomore. I, I don't think he was draft eligible. Oh, I thought he was. He may have been. I, I might be completely wrong. Okay. But Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, who brings back Sam Hartman, and uh, even though that's a team we probably should have beaten last year, they're yes. still going to be very good. Safe to say, easily should have beaten him. And then you have James Madison, who that's a trip up game. Yeah, they are a very very good program, and if you don't handle business, you might be one of those teams on ESPN College Football at night. Um, getting clowned. I mean, why are you going to schedule D2 school? If you're going to schedule D2 school, why do you schedule a powerhouse in James? A good one in James Madison. That has nothing to lose. They're coming into no. Cardinal Stadium. Okay, let's shock the world. I mean, this so, is a team that one time, I think if they, we've talked about it before, if they either did or they came very close to beating Virginia Tech. Yeah. No, it's it's incredible to, to, to see what they've done. So, all three of those games, I'm not saying you're going to lose two of those three, I'm saying there's a chance you could lose any of those three. And that's the same thing. You're probably not favored to win any of the last three at Clemson versus North Carolina State, who has Devin Leary coming back, and then at Kentucky. And until the Cardinals can keep it respectable with the Cats, I don't feel good about our chances. I just don't. Addison Bowley was a sophomore, but non-redshirt, so you're right. You wasn't draft eligible. So last six games of the year. You have to handle business at the beginning because your margin of error, your room for error, starts shrinking more and more with each of the with each, with each loss in the first six games. I tell you what, I, I, that great brings up a question I want for you, and because I don't know how many times I'll be able to ask you this, but you brought up that 2023 class mm-hmm. and, the, and the thoughts of keeping Pierce Clarkson and, and and Williams the defensive back and the running back we got out of there. I mean, we're just raiding California. It's like the opposite of the, the gold rush of the mm-hmm. of 1840s. Um, if this team does fall short of expectations, your expectations in, in your eyes, which would be, as you said, seven games, regardless of how we get to that point, you know, whether it's slow start, fast start, slow finish, whatever. In the end, the dust is cleared. And this team is sitting at a 7-5 and five with a loss to Kentucky. Are you willing to pull the trigger on Satterfield's departure with the thought that you may also lose some of that 23 class to do nope. to go along with it. You're, Seven and five, I'm okay with. It, it, put it this way. And I'm including I a loss can, to Kentucky again. I can tolerate it because 
think of it this way. Kentucky, one of the reasons why people were okay with Mark Stoops having like consecutive like two-win seasons is because right out of the gate, he was getting top 20 recruiting classes. He also took over a program that was a far, farther down than Louisville was. Louisville, despite yeah. what happened in 18. And that's, and that's true. Satterfield inherited a but very it was, it good was, team. That, that is very true. And, and But expectations, you know, being that way, the seat wasn't truly as hot for Mark Stoops because of what he was doing on the recruiting trail. So you had something to point to is, okay, if you fire me, you are losing that. So... Let's be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. This has the potential to be the highly rated recruiting, highest rated recruiting class in school history. Well, it currently is, I believe. Yeah, and yeah it I currently mean. is. I, who knows if we're going to continue to get four stars at the at the rate we're going though. I think with the possibility with having Pierce Clarkson in this class, um, yeah, he he went on record saying saying that he was going to be a Cardinal unless a coaching stat or unless a coaching change would be made at the head coaching level. I'm okay with seven wins. Am I am I jumping up in my seat and just absolutely excited for year five? No. I, I also yeah, think it's gonna that, be a bridge year in that. I also that first think year. that it depends on how did the Cardinals go seven and five? Were these close losses? What what was that loss to Kentucky? Is it a blowout loss Probably. to where we get absolutely bombarded and run off the field? There there's a lot of questions. It, it's not as simple as yes or no, but to make a long answer short, which I haven't, I've continued to make it long. I do that all the time. The recruiting class is something that I'm willing to see out because I, because you know the next year is going to be a rough year with that even with that class is a freshman yeah, class. I agree. Realistically a, speaking, who are you bringing in that's going to be able to recruit at that level? Is, is Jeff Brom's buyout increased? Did it not? <laughs> no, no, not not traditional. Not, not as much as you think it not would. No, yeah. So you're you're saying that if the Cardinals wanted to make it happen, I mean, you saw the the bleep grin I had on my face when you said that because you knew who I was going to yeah, say. And, I, and, I, and I'm aware. <laughs> and, and there there'd be a lot of positives for for Jeff Brom, and um, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't mind Jeff Brom here, but I, I'm not necessarily uh, advocating for him to be here because if as a Louisville fan. I want I want Satterfield to succeed so badly. Well, yeah, I mean, I but want... there are certain fans that cannot stand it. They want I can't grasp the notion of the fan base wanting a guy to lose. Well, now, if you're a Reds fan like Mike Rutherford, I understand wanting to lose because <laughs> there's a there's a bigger issue there. But Scott Satterfield, maybe it's better to have this conversation in a year when they actually if they actually were to go seven and five, but. I don't know. I mean, I think what's the big difference between seven and five and eight and four? I mean, there's also a difference in want not wanting it. You want your team to win, but you don't think the coach is going to do it. Mm-hmm. I.e., your cracked door Ron Cooper era. Like, um, I mean, that's, I mean, you, like you go into like either those two in Cooper and, and Crackdorp that you know you don't want the team to lose, but you don't really you want them to win, but you just don't expect them to. Right. And I think that you could get some of those expectations with Satterfield. I think last year was a bridge was the you know, the the stereotype air quote bridge year was last year's team. This year, there's no excuses. You have a you know, despite his shortcomings, especially more particularly against Kentucky, uh and and, and Cunningham, you have you have a you know, it's safe to say arguably a Heisman contending quarterback. You know how much that contender contending is, you know, very strong is arguable, but it, it is still someone who's been his name has come up in in contention and in talks. Probably not going to get in the top twenty of votes, but nonetheless, still contention. You have a you know you bring back what out of twenty two starters, like eighteen guys. 
I mean, the, the old man in Dazing and Pews hasn't been as excited about so many lettermen coming back. You have, you know, offensive line that only lost what one starter. You have a defense that only lost two guys. You know, you you do have some loss to transfers, but you also have you brought some guys in as well to hopefully do some to help replace those losses. That this team really, to me, you know, last year the excuse was losing close games, coming up short, not you know getting there but not getting over the hump. A lot of that was a lot of youth on that team, short of the quarterback position. I think it pressure for sure. I think, and I think last year you saw that that was that was it. That you go, it's a young team. It's okay. They're growing. They're learning. They're staying. And that excuse is gone now. That team because that team is back this year. Now this is where you reap the benefits of suffering through those close losses of having a young team with inexperience. So something and having has a, to give. Eventually. Something has to and give. I get, and I get that. And don't I, I don't want it to come across as okay. He wins seven games and it's all fine and dandy. I think that there is a ton of pressure if he wins seven games. Should I think, be. And that's where I where I come from and say I'm okay with waiting it out due to this recruiting class being the way it is. But I also don't want that to seem like I'm content. Like I'm not confident, but I'm willing to see it out due to the recruiting class being the way it is. But specifically about this year's team, because you mentioned that there is a ton of experience coming back and things of that nature. It seems like this team will, or the offense at least, will go as far as Malik Cunningham will take them. Offensively speaking, Trev, what aspects or or in which ways does Malik Cunningham need to improve between 2021 and 2022, which, I mean, statistically speaking, it's going to be hard for him to do so. Where do the improvements need to lie for Malik to ensure that Louisville wins 8-9 or maybe even unthinkably 10 games? I don't. I, at this point, I mean, the guy's like 24 years old. He's as old as you are, I believe. Actually, but still, still be, not. I mean, like he might impro- be an older college quarterback, but he's still young in terms of his development because guys go to the pros and, and develop incredibly speaking as well. And I'm not saying that, you know, he's getting – professional development like he would be in the pros. No, no, no. no. He's but what, what, where does that improvement need to come from? Well, I mean, if, if you know, if I can, you know, wish in one hand and believe the other two up first, and hopefully this one's this time it's the wishing part opposed to the normal other one, I mean, I would say, I mean, obviously consistency in the deep ball would be something I would love to see, uh, and I have not seen over the years. Um, Decision-making, which should come with age, but – Sometimes, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Um, I mean, I see Malik is I – mean, honestly, I don't really expect him to be any different than what he is already now. I mean, it is what it is. I feel like it's, a, you know, a, a finished product. Now, is that a knock on him? You can take it as that if you want. You know, I, I think there are – you know, I had no issue with him. I knew he was coming back because, as I said before, I mean, he wasn't going to go anywhere. I mean, this is the, the last of his playing career in, in football, really. I mean, unless he wants to – you know, I don't know if they have like a league in Chile or something. He can go maybe play in, but it's not going to be in the American League because uh, they got rid of NFL Europe. So I mean, this this is kind of it for him. I don't I, mean, I don't see him moving to a different position at the next level either. I don't think he's athletic enough for that. But I, I like to see him just being. You know, if I can get a you know an Antoine Randall type of, of performance from him or a and I've compared him to him before or even just showing up in big games like against Kentucky like you need to have Malik I mean, Cunningham have one of those types of games I know it's not and he showed all up, resting on the shoulders of Malik Cunningham no I and mean, he was he was god awful against Kentucky Malik, the last Malik two years can't play defense for the Cardinals 
as well. And, and that's a little bit to do with the fact that, you know, he's going against guys that are closer to the NFL level than you're going to see at Wake Forest mm-hmm. and Virginia. But, you know, in that, in that same scenario, in the best performance he may have had last year to a degree, other than, you know, Duke, would be, you know, the Clemson game where he did play well, you know, against a good Clemson defense. And I saw the Clemson team despite, you know, they were down here, blah, blah, blah. And he, of course, got banged up in that game. And unfortunately, that his the time he missed, the short time, kind of was affected Louisville in their momentum in that game. And I thought it was a huge problem was what helped cost Louisville that game. So, I mean... I guess if I had to, I mean, consistency is the one thing, and in particular that deep ball, because when, with Satterfield's offense, I mean, it is based around, and this is another question we have to figure out is with Alabama stealing guys from us, is that, you know, this offense is based around running the ball, and you can call it old school if you want, but it is. You know, we're going to run the ball first, second, you know, third down, and we're going to do that probably, you know, three possessions in a row, and then we're going to catch you over top. And we're going to get you to keep teasing up because you're going to have to because, listen, our run schemes have been successful, and that's been proven. Even with, with whether you have a Javion Hawkins, who unfortunately just got cut by the, the the Rams just recently, yesterday, but was still an NFL player, or you have you know last year's lineup with the running back tandem that we have and we'll have this year as well, I think you know with the offensive line improvement, you're going to be able to run the ball. Now, you can only do that so far, you know, in games like against Kentucky or a game like against Pittsburgh two years ago where they just said, you know what, screw you. We're going to put 12 guys in the box. I know there's only 11 on the team, but they're going to do 12. It felt like 13. Okay. You know, and we're going to dare you to throw it, and we couldn't. And, you know, that was when we had 2-2 in, in, in Harrell, at least, as a threat. You've got to have that deep guy, and not only do we not know who that's going to be, that aside from that this year going into the season, is – you know, there's so many times, and especially in that second season, where you know Tutu would just get, he would just miss him completely, right? You know, and he'd be wide open and wide open, and other guys would be wide open, and he's, you got to be able to hit that because when you don't hit that deep ball, the one out of every six plays that this is going to call, then that just completely that allows the defense to put eight guys in the box and just shut mm-hmm. down your otherwise successful running game, and then this offense is just kaput. And the defense has never been, at least it's shown anywhere near good enough to carry the slack for a bad offensive game. And if that's the case, then this team's going like 3-9. and nine. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a lot. Worst case scenario, you don't want to see that happen. Obviously, 3-9 and nine would be... Well, I hope not that bad. I mean, that would be, I mean, just disastrous. Would in, that in, get in you the off the Satterfield fire? And um, Would you fire Satterfield for 3-9 and nine with the recruiting class? I mean, I don't see how you could keep a coach at three and nine. Though. I mean, it's it's one of those. It, I mean, it, like I said, that recruiting class can mask over a lot of stuff. But hey, text line one last chance to get any questions in five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Once again, five zero two four one four fourteen fifty for any questions, comments, all that good stuff. Um, last part of the show, we'll continue talking about Louisville football. But hey, we'll be right back after a quick break on this Thurby edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 The Big X.
Final segment. You gotta sing, my brother, for show. This is a Rutherford classic right here. You gotta sing the lyrics. Come on. This is Santana. Ross this Thomas. is Santana. Yeah. I'm big Matchbox Twenty fan. Come on, you gotta know it. I don't even know the words <laughs> of the song. You don't know? You not know this song? It's one of those like I never knew the name of the song until a couple years ago, but I always knew the song. I love it's Supernatural. Like one of those situations, album. but um, man, 18 minutes left. That's it for the show, man. This is wild. This is wild. I definitely appreciate everybody for. For tuning in, um, yeah, and you have run away yet. I mean, most people yeah. are thinking you would run out of here from because of me. They're like the first Speaking hour. Speaking of running out of a situation, the Utah Jazz, Utah Jazz, completely crapped the bed, for lack of better terms, in oh, the National Basketball Association playoffs first round, the Western Conference. A lot of jazz fans feel that to be true for the last forty years. I had a segment. With a good friend of mine, Shane Young. He um, he is a NBA columnist for Forbes.com. And he okay. uh, was telling me that he was like a... Now, now the text where he said Shane Young has no jump shot. Now that makes he sense. He plays with me on, on Wednesday. Shane Young is, okay, a, Shane Young is a scrub. <laughs> nah, he's actually he's actually not bad. He's a lefty, too. That, that, lefty jump shots are pretty nice. That but text is now in reference. Now I understand the reference. Regardless, text, yeah. <laughs> Shane and I had a had a podcast episode for the Locked on Louisville show where we talked about Donovan Mitchell and at what point does Utah decide to tear it down? We identified a first round exit mean or meant that a change had to occur somewhere. Now, there were reports earlier this week. Obviously, it seems like Rudy Gobert may have refuted those on Twitter, but at least reports that Rudy Gobert went to the Jazz front office and basically said, Okay, it's either me or Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> Rudy Gobert, who has the offensive skill set of probably me. Well, it, unfortunately, Rudy Gobert is in playing in a league that he's ten years too old to be. To, yeah, ten years. I mean, Rudy came into the league. That his, if, he, if he came to the league in the early two thousands, he would be possibly. Well, in, even when he first got in the league, the, yeah. his position was still that left. I mean, you can't play the, a defensive center forty million dollars a year. Well, you can't play and win an and, and win an NBA championship. You can't play a traditional center. I mean exactly. There's I mean, nobody, well, yeah, like I guess say a traditional center. So. Yeah, I mean there's nobody left in the playoffs right now that has a traditional center. I mean you'd be hard hard guess to name Am I six teams that use a traditional center in today's I NBA. may sound completely um you know out of tune with 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 how NBA is kind of grasped in terms of the perception. There is no way that they look to trade Donovan Mitchell before they look to trade Rudy Gobert. If it comes oh, down God, to one no. or the other, and it says, okay, you either take Donovan Mitchell or you take a 29-year-old Rudy Gobert that's making over $40 million for the next handful of seasons. I the only issue that I find in that, who is trading for Rudy Gobert? Now, there's probably somebody that would say, okay, we'll take him. Yeah. But it's one of those situations to where I think that the changes for the Jazz come to the supporting cast between the two. Before before it comes to those two, unless there is a clear, I guess, a clear um, just overall disliking between the two. Well, I think that there's been supposedly be between the two, and I don't know if it's how much it still stems to Donovan blaming Rudy about the COVID stuff. But, I mean, the fact is that yeah, Gobert is not, I mean, his services and his skill set 
um, as you know, as extinct as it somewhat is for the most part in the NBA, unfortunately, and it's a shame to me because I, I'm an old school guy. There are teams where he can be fitting in. Golden State comes to an example right off the top of my head. Where, but the thing is, wherever I'm going to name these positions and spots he could possibly land or he could land or would land and maybe will land. I mean, it, it is in a less limited role. I mean, it's not going to be the same. He, he's not going to be the uh, go-to guy or, you know, a, a uh, while being a starter, probably, if if that, you know, it, it will be a role player and we'll have to play. And in his age, I mean, Gobert's what? Like, he's he's over 30, I think. Come he's on. 29. He's 29, okay. So he's legitimately now in his prime, like for a traditional big man. Mostly. That your good players are their primes between thirty and thirty four. I mean, Donovan's what twenty five. But the the superstar the Hall of Famers get their prime between thirty and thirty four. Flash in the pants hit their prime early on and You're then fade away. The key ingredient. Rudy Gobert and superstar. Uh, he's not. He's yeah. not a superstar. Correct. He's far from it, and and that's where like his prime has probably been reached already and seen. And, and they the direction of basketball is not changing. And exactly, it's going at least the anytime exact soon. opposite way. So he and it's yeah. making Rudy Gobert not. I, I wouldn't go as far as saying obsolete in the playoffs, but unless no, you no. are, unless you are an extremely good perimeter defensive team in your guard play, Rudy Gobert. The type of player that he is gets attacked by opposing coaches. I mean, you yeah, saw I mean, when Doc Rivers, you saw what Ty Lue did. Uh, not Doc Rivers, Ty Lue did this past. Yeah, I was going to say Doc Rivers couldn't coach if we have a wet paper bag. Yeah, but <laughs> overall, I, I think that Donovan is in a situation, it, it's questionable. What? Are, no, you, meant, you mentioned it right, right. The, the real answer is, I mean, you, you need to move Rudy. It's the supporting people around Donovan. If you're, if you're, Utah, and you're thinking about moving Donovan over anybody else, then you know what? I thought they had a nut in, in running a general manager and Frank Layden back in the day. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that, that anybody there now is as crazy as he was and would do something that dumb. You keep Don Mitchell at all costs, literally and figuratively. Um, the, the guys they put around him have been hit and miss. I think Mike Conley being the bigger miss. Um, they went after, I mean, Conley's better days have seen in the past, and that's shown since he got there, unfortunately, because I like Mike Conley. Um, uh, Bagdanovich is a not a bad player. I liked him, especially his short time in Philadelphia. I mean, with the Pacers, but I mean, he is. I think they need. They're wanting too much from him at that role position. You guys like you know Royce O'Neal and Jordan Clarkson. I mean, these aren't very great players. They're, they're average players at best. And you need. He just needs a better. They've just hit. They've swung and missed at role players around him. And they tried to shoot for the fence with Conley going for that kind of star player to put next to him, and it obviously was a huge hit whiff. So, I mean, that's just – they need to accept that. Don Mitchell right now still has several years ahead of him, thankfully and hopefully. And you have to – you know, you have to go after get, – and get some better guys that are going to match his skill set and they're going to get along with him and are make him happy. And, and that's just what – I mean, you've got to hope to do it. I mean, you saw Cleveland try doing it numerous times with LeBron – Except LeBron has no spine and is a, is a weasel and stabbed him in the back multiple times. So, I mean. You have a personal vendetta against I hate LeBron, LeBron James. James. I wouldn't spit him if he's on fire. <laughs> is that stemming from him ending the Pacers' dreams early in 2012, 13, and 14? Don't, don't, don't bring it up. I was, I, was, I was at three of those heat games. Did they lose all three of them? Uh, yes, I was, at, I was at the one particularly. I understand why you don't like LeBron James. I get it. I'm not a well, big Steph Curry I don't guy like, either, though. I don't like him as a fan. I also don't like him as a person either. Uh, that's, that's, so, that I mean, politi- I, I don't care. About people think it might, politically, it doesn't have nothing to do with that. I just think he's a spineless little 
We Ooh. are in a <laughs> we're in an era of basketball in the professional sense of the NBA, to where it's very hard to win a championship without at least two star players. People want to say, "Oh, you have Giannis last year." Yeah, you do have Giannis, but don't forget the fact that Chris Middleton filled the star role last year. Drew Holiday, well, not Drew Holiday. Um, who was in that? Was it no, Drew Milwaukee Holiday? was only the second team in NBA history to win a championship without a second Hall of Fame player yeah, on the and, roster. Well, who was the other one? Uh, was it Detroit? Dirk? Dirk? Oh no, 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 no well, no, was, because the, well, a Hall of Fame player like was playing like a Hall of Fame. In player. my opinion, let me rephrase that again because NBA JJ Barea is not in the Hall of Fame. The last time I checked, right? And, well, he could be because the NBA Hall of Fame has no. Con- I mean, I've seen prom dates show up less standards. Is Derrick Rose a Hall of Famer? Probably by NBA Hall of Fame standards. By yeah. your standards? No. No. By me, no. Okay. Fair by enough. the NBA Hall of Fame, which Paul is... Paul George? My standards, no. NBA, probably yes. So it seems like it's kind of a, a, a watered-down standard. So oh, well, the Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame is a joke. It's in a strip mall, for God's sakes. I mean, so. it, it, it is it is an utter joke. They let anybody in. Um, I mean, I love Tim Hardaway, but he's in the Hall of Fame. He has no business in the Hall of Basketball Hall of Fame. I get it. Uh, Mitch Richmond loved him. He has no business to basketball payment. So, so I, I said that to say this. The other was Detroit, by the way, in 2004. Okay. Who had, that, zero, Hall, who had zero Hall of Famers on that team, probably. At the time, right? Well, in my opinion, none of those guys were our Hall of Fame level. Okay, that's fair. Good players, don't get me wrong. Billups and Wallace, Rip, Rip Hamilton. Very good and players and a great Jason coach in Larry Maxiel Brown. Yeah. All those guys. But ben Wallace, yeah. I will say this. At some point, you can't really do much to the supporting cast when you're playing a player that gets, or paying a player, I should say, not playing, you're paying a player over $40 million a year, and it's hard (laughs) for them to be effective in the postseason. I know that not every problem within the Utah Jazz organization starts with Rudy Gobert. What I am saying is it is easier said than done trying to construct a a national championship, an NBA championship roster, when you have a player like that making over forty million a year, making I think the most on the team currently. I'm not sure that Donovan's even making that money yet. Is Gobert making forty million a year? He's gonna be over forty by the time his contract ends. I think he's like I I, I gotta look that up. No, I believe no I, I I I'm actually curious myself because I can I can probably find it too because I'm skimming on I'm on the reference page regardless, so I can probably get down to his salary here in a second. Um uh well close. He's making well he's he, he's yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's made $27 million this year upon his new contract. Except, 38 next year. Yeah. 38, 41, 30. 44, and then he has a player option for 47 at 33 years old, which uh, I have a better chance of making the NBA than him turning that down. Yeah, I got, so. better, I got a better chance yeah, of, of being a, a swimsuit model than that. That's not going to happen. You just – yeah, you, I don't even know if you're going to get a lot for him. You're going to probably be more of an exception where you're giving up picks for someone to take his contract from you. Speaking of – Cut situations. him. Just cut him. I like Rudy Gobert, too, because he's old school and I'm old school. But, yeah, cut him. And, and, and if Peace. you do look to trade Donovan Mitchell, well, let's say hypothetically Donovan goes to the Jazz. I want out. And you're Utah. And, well, I guess you could say if you're Donovan, what's the situation that you would even be able to go to in which you would have NBA aspirations? And I guess I should add NBA championship aspirations. Well, what contender – is in the financial luxury to give up enough to get Donovan Mitchell. And what is Donovan Mitchell's role on an NBA championship team? Is he a true number one scoring option on a championship team? I don't know that that question's been answered. Uh, 
I mean, he has the he has the qual he has the uh, qualities and the tendencies to be a, a number one scoring option, but he's been a number one scoring option right now. And Utah was the one seed last year. They were, and um, obviously, it's he got like, but uh, he got banged up last year. He was banged up this true. year so too. So you know, you're playing all the hypothetical games, so it's it's hard to really, you know, you know, dot your T's and cross your eyes in that realm. But well, I mean, financially from it or. New York and Miami are the teams that I guess stand out to me. Maybe Denver if they were willing to part with Jamal Murray, but I'm not sure why they would be. I mean, the, the financial sure the financial after. part of it won't be a problem because in the NBA you have yeah, to it, all trades have to be within 20 percent of the salary. Mm-hmm. So if you're trading a guy making 40 million dollars, you have to give back within you know 20 percent of 40 million, which is what like 36 million something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, the, the the finances part is 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 it should is probably moot in terms of where he fits in. I mean, there's abundance of places he could go and, you know, whether it be in the East, which more often than not has been the easier place to go to from the West and, and claim success. Um, I mean, obviously Miami is, is, is a number one seed who's not, just, I mean, still not a great team. Philadelphia is not a overly impressive team. Milwaukee is good because of Giannis, but short of that is not an overly impactful team. I mean, the, the East is still behind the West in many ways. And I mean, I would hate for him to go to the Knicks because I hate the Knicks. But, you know, I mean, I'll take him in Indy. What do they want? Do they want everything? We'll give him I would give up. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton and Donovan Mitchell would be exactly what the doctor ordered for the Pacers. I, as long as they don't want him in the trade. I mean, what do they want? I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll name the Indy 500 after him. Well, I mean, <laughs> the Donovan Mitchell, uh, the I Utah, mean, it's going to be the Utah Jazz. Uh, Indy 500. <laughs> I mean, it would be the Mitchell 500 because he's coming to Indy. I mean, we'll get, we. I don't care what they want. They, do they do they want the fever? I mean, do they want do, do they want do they want? I don't think anybody's going to want a fever. Do, 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 do they want a I'm, fever. I'm aware. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they have a women's team in Utah or not. Do they want us to change history and make Hoosiers call it call it the uh, you know Mormons? I mean, I'll do it. <laughs> Norman Dale, you know, you know, you're yelling at you. Everyone wants to be treated like a god, like Joseph Smith, any day of the day. You know, I mean, I, I don't care. I, I'll do it. I'll take it. Oh to make him a pacer, I'll do it. I mean, do they? I, I'll give up four toes right now. I don't care. Most of them going to be gone to diabetes in 10 years anyway. I'll do it right. Give me a knife. How did you feel about the Halliburton Sabonis trade? Uh, I was indifferent about it because I loved Sabonis only because his father was one of my favorite players as a kid. Uh, watching our Venus in 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 the in the Olympics in '88 just manhandled David Robinson. I was blown away as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, by the time he got to but the, the states and got to be seen in Portland, he was like nine knee surgeries and 38 years old, but still effective. So his dad was one of my favorite players. So I I was a big fan of his. I just that said, I could score 20 points on him. I mean, he could not stop anything. Like, I have no lateral movement left in my knees, and I can still put 20 on on, oh, on some bonus. Looks like we got one more so, question on the text line. I, I was okay with the we're trade. Pretty, we're pretty close to being finished, but yeah. Oh wow! It says, uh, "What is Dalton's dream announcing job?" What would be your dream announcing job? World Series, Super Bowl. It's gonna sound extremely biased. You go PA though. You're not you, yeah, PA. Yeah, yeah. It's not a, like not like color commentary. Yeah, people right? get yeah, two different worlds. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Strictly because because of Sean Moth level football. Okay, I would love. I think that that's kind of my pinnacle. Like, yeah, I mean, sure, I'd like to be in SoFi announcing the Chargers or the Toyota Center with the Rockets or Minute Made with the Astros. But I, I think that I fell in love with trying to be a PA announcer. 
because of hearing Sean Moth at the Cardinal Stadium. Okay. And I think that that's probably where, if I if I had any opportunity to choose one position and say, that's mine, it'd be Louisville football. All right. So, Do you ever go back and listen to like to some of the old announcers, like your Red Curves and stuff like yeah, that? From all the time. Just trying to draw from because there's a lot Julius more. That, there's a lot doctor. more that goes into being a PA announcer. Obviously, speaking into the mic, but you you hear what sounds good and you hear what doesn't sound good. Mm. It's 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 a lot more attention to detail than people realize it. So I believe it. That's kind of a kind of really about it. I mean, I love it, and it's something that has been. An incredible journey just over the past two years after being a finalist for the men's basketball position. And I assume as a Rockets fan, you'd be okay getting Donovan Mitchell, right? I don't know what the fit would be with Jalen Green, but I might entertain it. I mean, you can give up Jalen Green. I like Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green's going to be a star. I really do. And that's not me being a Rockets fan. That's me being a Rockets the fan. The difference is, is you think one's going to be. And one what, is. One is, exactly. Yes. That's true. And that's good to hear. So Jalen Green, another example of a drafting kid with that did not put up the stats in the D League, as I made the example of earlier. But he's Something. actually he's looking really the, the past couple of months of the season. Did I still, you still got that general manager's an idiot there? Who Mornay or his name? Morey? No, yeah. Morey's Morey's with the Sixers with James Harden. Oh, that explains. We why. have uh, Rafael Stone who. Oh, okay. Got never every, liked Morey myself personally. I like Rafael Stone because he didn't fall into the pressure and take Ben Simmons. Good job, good so, job. I because uh, Ben Simmons sucks. <laughs> Why would you want Ben Simmons? <laughs> then again, more just proves my point of my my mind my thought of him because he hired Doc Rivers. Oh, <laughs> I, hate, I hate Doc Rivers. Not a big Doc Rivers fan. I just I, I can't imagine. No one wasted the Celtics more than Doc Rivers. The fact they won one championship. They had to he, go against Kobe. I get it. But. Yeah, but he didn't even. That wasn't even a good. First of all. <laughs> Don't get me started on Kobe. The best, the best trick the devil ever, Kobe ever did was convince people he was good and he's better than he thought he was. Uh, but yeah, the fact he lost to that Lakers team that they were twice as, as better than, but two times is pretty sad. Yeah, and they got people Orlando. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, we went overtime. We're good. Oh, we're getting out of here. It is what it is. But hey, man, I this has been. I think I'm letting you out here that quick. No, you're you're staying late, man. This has been a heck of an opportunity. You came on late. Man. I, I do want to. <laughs> I do want to take this time to shamelessly plug. Please. My um, work and stuff like that, obviously, like I said, um, you may hear me at some Louisville games. Um, if you do, feel free to say what's up. Um, Cardinalsportszone.com, great content going there. I'm actually going to be um, recording a podcast tonight with them, with the crew mm. over there, so check that out. Give those social media plugs. Where are they going to follow you at? And also, Locked on Louisville. Um, at Depense underscore is the Twitter handle. Um, that, that's really the only type of, uh, of sports social media that I, I i currently go with but uh yeah man you can hit me up on there yeah. do whatever you need to do man but hey it's been a fun time it's been a good time i mean you, you made it all three hours with me congratulations uh, i'm gonna go very ahead. few can say that I'm gonna go ahead and put that on my wall got through <laughs> three hours of sports talk radio with trevor kelsey you can talk to my uncle next time you see that mail and he's just gonna give you a hug and be like you spent three hours with my nephew <laughs> Just come here, buddy. Come here. Get so. this man a free hot dog, damn it. Get him a soda. Come on. Oh, man. But, hey, that is going to wrap up this Thurby edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 The Big X. Everyone have a great weekend. I hope your favorite derby horse wins. Only one can win, though. Everyone have a great weekend. Hopefully we get some good weather here soon.